everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dawn, and today, for this month's episode, we are talking about something that you might go, hey, Dawn, that's not anime, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> this month, we are talking about the legacy and influence of Kamen Rider, and yes, Kamen Rider... Most notably, people out there probably are familiar with the live-action series and whatnot. But it was also originally a manga. And I wanted to talk about the just absolutely enormous cultural footprint that Kamen Rider has left on Japanese pop culture in general... So much so that, like, it is embedded in modern anime, manga, video games, TV shows, pop culture in general, you name it. And to talk with me about the cultural phenomenon that is Common Writer, I got pretty much the only English-speaking, uh, closest-to-expert kind of person that I <laughs> I know Someone who no knows. pressure. No pressure on that one. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Uh, you you might recognize that voice as uh, Mr. Vintage Henshin himself. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Mock Dent. Hello, Mock. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, holy crap. Um, <laughs> with an intro like that, it's like, uh, oh, uh, eh, uh, eh, oh. <laughs> now, uh, I, I say expert in quotation marks because compared to me you are going to know so much more about common writer than yeah. i do i am but a filthy casual in the world of common writer <laughs> there's uh, yeah you already have like probably 20 people listening to this right now it's like <laughs> they're just gonna sit there and they're waiting like they're waiting at the comments he's like i'm gonna wait for him to fuck up i'm gonna wait for him to fuck up and i'm gonna let him know i'm gonna let him know in all caps it's gonna be great it's gonna be great <laughs> Well, they're in their fortress of SH figure arts. Um, but yeah, it, <laughs> and it's kind of like why I, I don't really put myself as an expert because like there's always going to be one person. It's like, you forgot to mention how in 1978, you know, like there's that whole thing. <laughs> so like I, I, that's why like, I just go in for Tokusatsu Ambassador. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, that's yeah, definitely a way better way to, to, to put it. You are more of a just very passionate enthusiast which is funny because then like um mike tool effectively like kicked that out the window and said fuck that you're the tokusatsu troubadour now and i'm like well shit nothing could top that <laughs> i mean if mike tool calls you that then like mm. yeah or, or whoever wrote the the powerpoint presentation for <laughs> i'm just like well shit i'm i'm, I'm calling it that well because people everyone else has been kind of cribbing that title too and i'm like all right well troubadour it is it's so <laughs> let's fucking go i need fan art of that though so like so like <laughs> yeah. so Draw me as like an old school troubadour, but with like a henshin belt of like a scarf and maybe like a jetpack, yeah, um, <laughs> and like a cool helmet. That um, was cool. But uh, anyway, moving hastily along. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you are pretty well known. I I feel like in like the tokusatsu and anime Twitter spaces yeah. for for being someone who is very passionate about. Uh, Tokusatsu, Henshin Heroes, uh, mecha anime, like all sorts of things like yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much anything that explodes in a rock quarry or involves a rocket punch. That's pretty much 
that that's that's where you'll find me hanging out at some point. Oh, hobbies. Yeah. So hobbies that oh <laughs> end up becoming your career with me working with like, yeah, me working with Shout Studios and stuff. Just, oh my gosh. That's yeah. Been, it's been such a weird climb. It, it, it's just this whole trajectory since like, um, I mean, like there, there was like a little bit of a rumbling before 2020, but like after 2020 and doing stuff suddenly, it's just like, oh, hey, people are recognizing me at conventions and it's, it's weird. But cool <laughs> like, though. Yeah, it is. It, it's cool to get acknowledged for like uh, being so passionate about the things you love and the fact that like you're actually getting to help officially with yeah. like a lot of these projects, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you here because Aww. I know you are just so chock full of knowledge and love for these things. Oh yeah. Um. So something I like to ask people when they are a first timer on the show uh -oh. uh, because we're kind of close-ish in age. Uh, and, and it's always fun to be like, so how did you get into anime and manga? And I guess in this case, like tokusatsu as well. Oh, those are all sort of tied together into this. All right. Time for the secret origin story. Everyone get cozy. You're going to be here for an hour. No, um, <laughs> No, like the shortest possible version, it was literally like a, a, a series of stumbles. Because it's like anime was, uh, and, I, and I didn't find this out until I graduated college, um, was like I grew up on like Star Trek reruns and the Next Generation and then also Robotech uh, and Star Blazers um, mm -hmm. when my, my dad came into my life. Um, and then it went from there... To, you know, um, you know, going to Blockbuster and renting every Speed Racer tape possible, and then <laughs> seeing an ad, uh, you know, seeing an ad for Biostormer Giver or the back of a Starlog, and being like, "Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever!" And then immediately going into that, which is funny because how hyper violent it was, and I'm like nine years old and watching it and just loving the ever living hell out of it as like a <laughs> dude who's consumed alive by some like space alien armor. Um, there's and then somewhere around that time. Um, I was really young, but I have a very vivid memory. I was in the basement, and I'm just, uh, and it's one of those old like UHF dial TVs. Uh, for mm -hmm. those for those too young to remember, oh god, I'm saying that. Um, let's uh, where you have like the two dials for like you know the VHF, you know whatever, and like UHF. And so like I'm like just turning the dial because it was always so satisfying to just turn the dial, mm -hmm. and and I'm going through and I hit channel 58, and this is back when they had like you know creature feature movies on like i think like on weekends i think it was a sunday and we're just turning channels and i came in and it was the last five minutes of godzilla versus megalon and it's the bit where jet jaguar and godzilla are just beating the crap out of megalon and just doing the flying kick and that like just captivated me i'm like i saw i'd never seen anything like it i'm like this is so cool and and um, pretty soon we're having like all the Godzilla movies in the house. And um, you know, what was it? Um, Power Rangers ends up becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. And in the process of learning about Power Rangers, it was like uh, I picked up an issue of Sentai magazine uh, from an Arctic press and going through there. And it's like, wait a minute, this is from Japan. What? They're just dubbing over the footage. What? And then finding out like the Green Ranger, like. Well, spoilers for you know how many year old show uh, the Green Ranger in the Japanese version basically snuffs it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, which is like a sales point if I feel uh, for that show. And so it's like um, going from that, and then 
going in, like finding our local anime store, then coming in on the last five minutes of Comrade Zeto, um, the movie by um, director Kate Talamia, who also did uh, Zayram, and just being like, this is so cool, oh my gosh, and then coming in like later and on an episode of Die Ranger. And I was like, oh my god, wait, this, this is better than Power Rangers. What? The White Ranger sounds like a girl? Wait, it's a kid? Wait, Tor the Shuttle Sword talks? You know? And, <laughs> and then I'm ben, you know, and so then there I go, and I'm like, the internet's becoming a thing, and going to Alt TV Sentai, the, the, the old news group, and uh, going to conventions and raiding every stash possible, and, and, and like watching bootlegs of Ultraman, and just kind of like falling down this kind of spiral. Um, and really that's just how it just kind of kept going. And eventually that led to, you know, um, you know, me writing for Ataki USA, you know, me becoming a voice actor, basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all this stuff, it just kind of stems out of that same like adventure. It's been, so, and it's been like so crazy, like the stuff that's happened since. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's wild to think about how, like. Uh, similarly, like, you go from, like, a kid discovering all this, going, like, this is the coolest shit ever, and then you still love it as an adult, and then people going, like, hey, you have knowledge about this, can I pay you to help me with this thing? And you're, like, I I can do that? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true story. It took, like, three people and and lots of intensive bullying for me to finally send in, uh, to finally get into contact with um patrick Macias when for uh, writing when i was writing for talking usa because i was just like super nervous about the whole thing and i remember <laughs> i was at an anime convention and this is back when i was more of a straight edge um and they're like hey we're it's like hey you turned 21 you didn't drink what the heck we're gonna make you drink and i'm like no and i like pushed past a guy to get out of the room the, the problem was I was in my socks and like my my slacks and like a random like uh, sleeveless uh, sleeveless tank and I'm just like oh boy well I guess I'll go down to the lobby. <laughs> I ended up going down because this is back when the Hyatt Regency O'Hare had like that downstairs area with like where they had computers at hotels before it was just uh, everyone. Oh, right. Yeah, before everyone started like having their own laptops and stuff. So I went there and I got some like, you know, online time and I ended up checking my email and then I got one from Patrick Macias. He's like, hey, people have been trying to put us in contact together. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so uh, it's like, all right, I'll send you some pitches. And the rest was history there. Yeah, it's it's been wild uh, between that and that like um, there was another project I was on recently where somebody kind of came to me and was like, yeah, so we now have it on good authority that you're one of the few uh, Toku people online that is not an asshole. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I'm like, well, I'm glad that's my reputation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good reputation to have, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> <laughs> so... Getting back to like common writer specifically. Yeah, getting back how, on top before we go off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> how uh what was your first exposure to common writer? Oh, Do you remember? Yeah, like I mentioned, it was um it w- it would have been uh the last five minutes of, of Zeto, and that was um the nineteen ninety-three movie, um part of a triple billing, uh was directed by Keita Amamiya, who also worked on Zeram, also worked on Garo. Mm-hmm. Um, Unover Tao, Mechanical Violator, Hakaiter, just one of the, one of the, like these really great in terms of like directing and character design and illustration and stuff. Um, and I remember getting that 
like seeing that and then bugging my, the owner of our local anime store at the time being like, Hey, uh, uh, like, Oh, I want to see it again. I want to see the full thing. Um, so I got a tape of that, which they, it was the greatest psych out ever. So it starts out with, uh, bro, the, uh, you know, Dragon Ball, uh, Z Broly movie or whatever the first one. And mm-hmm. then it you get some advertisements for some stuff from like TV at the time. And then it's the opening credits of brave express Mike Gein and the commercial. And I'm like, uh, the first commercial break. And I'm like watching this and I'm like, yo, this is amazing. You know, I didn't say that naturally, but, uh, but I'm just like, you know, like losing my mind. Cause like, Brave Express Mike on coolest opening sequence ever, directed by Masami Obari. And so um, the episode's about to start just then. The tape cuts and it starts with Comrade Zeto. And, <laughs> and I was like, ah! And my dad's like, surprise. And I'm like, ah, this is the greatest tape ever. I then lent that tape to my then crush, who then we had a falling out. And <laughs> I tried to get the tape back and she replied that her, her, uh, her dad had taken the tape and had taped over it with soccer. <gasps> oh so, no. So it took me years to get the movie on VHS again. <laughs> oh man. The heartbreak. Oh, it was a double heartbreak. It was so funny, but uh, yeah, it was, it was that. And then oh, I got another, then I got another tape. It it was, um, well, no, what I didn't even know the years I got, I got another tape after that. Cause it was, um, it was Zeto and then it was the first two Conrader Black movies, um, which were just amazing. And, uh, and after that, it was just a steady climb, um, going through there, like through botched tape trades, um, mm-hmm. and then buying stuff at conventions and then be- making friends with vendors who would like slide me a DVD, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, on the, you know, under the table or something like that. Or it's like I'd buy like something and they they'd give me my they they'd slide the money back so it was a freebie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so crazy. Those are some those are some cool times, um, you know. And uh, it was just kind of going from there. So imagine being like you know nine ten years old. You know about Common Rider, and then Saban's Masked Rider comes out, <laughs> and so, you're so yeah. Like, it's so funny that you mentioned that. That was uh, that was my first exposure to comedy. Oh no! <laughs> I I have a vivid memory of upsetting a friend's mom at the time because we were watching TV and it came on and I jumped up and cheered. I was like, "Ah, oh, Kamen Rider said I was coming out!" And I'm like, "I'm losing my mind." And then the mom, who was like a theater mom, proceeded to give me this long-winded monologue about my, about my volume level and stuff like that. Oh jeez! <laughs> it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, okay. Note to self, don't have any fun at this friend's house. <laughs> mm-hmm, basically. Yeah, basically. His yeah, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. But uh yeah, so I remember watching that and then so having seen ZO and J, which were both um edited into that show, and being like, okay, like, you know, you know, being excited, and then all of a sudden Darash shows up as the main villain of ZO, and they're like they gave Duras a voice, you know, like why? Like, and I remember being just so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I got all the toys because I'm like, because this is back when importing stuff was a nightmare. Oh yeah, it was just like pre eBay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, anytime something was coming out, usually the toys were one to one, except for the Henshin belt, which was just like this brick with lights on it. Um, but um, yeah, like I. So like having the early exposure, then going to that is just insane. And then, 
<laughs> yeah, for me, I, I didn't know that Common Writer was a thing. So, like, Saban's Mask Writer, I was like, is this, like, another Power Ranger thing? I was like, mm. and they kind I re- vaguely remember they kind of, like, tied it to mm-hmm. the American Power Rangers. It was more like a marketing thing, right? Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. It was so, well, they were supposed to do another crossover and they never did. So, mm-hmm. like, well, so the whole thing is basically, um, they did like a three part episode called Friend in Need. And it's in the start of season three. And you get the whole lay of the land for, for Mass Rider. It's like a backdoor pilot. So they go to another planet and they, uh, and they, they fight the bad guys. But then Count Dragon's like, is like the main villain. He's like, so where did wait? Where did the, these Power Rangers come from? Oh, they came from Earth, sire. Fine, I'm so mad. I'm gonna go after the planet Earth for the revenge. And I'm like, wow, thanks a lot, Power Rangers. You doomed us all. <laughs> <laughs> so then that yeah. leads into the first episode because then Dex has to go to Earth to protect it from mm-hmm. Dragon uh, while they're all fighting Lord Zed or whatever. Um, so, but uh, those three episodes are so good. It's um, I wrote an essay about this, even. It was uh, how much, like, comparing that to the tone of the show that we eventually got. Because Saban's Master Rider, it was conceived of as a sitcom, more so than another action show. Oh. And, and so, yeah, like, from the very beginning, it was conceived as a sitcom. You can actually watch the original pitch on, because uh, there, there was a Fox Kids presentation that somebody was able to record and it has that on it. And even they're saying at the very beginning, they conceive of it as a sitcom. And um, it's, uh, it's it's wildly different in tone. I mean, they they do adapt a lot of the original source material, but it's like, it's so different in tone. Like, it's it's a lot more zany. Whereas, like, you have, like, this, this sort of very, d- not dark, but very dramatic story about Prince Dex and fighting this rebellion and stuff like that. And you're just like, you're, you're on board and... Like, there's the the moment when Dex says, time for Ryder Kick. That should have been his catchphrase. That should have been his catchphrase, and we were robbed. Yeah, like that. <laughs> wow. Why not? Jeez. So anyway, like, that's, I, my, that's my soapbox about Spawn's Master Rider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much about it because it was one of those shows that, like, aired, I think, really early where I was living. Mm, yeah, like, because it was on Fox Kids and then I think the final episode, I don't know if the final episodes were fully aired, but then what happened is that went to syndication because Saban did this whole, like, syndicated package, like a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. So, it, and that was part of it, along with, like, Samurai Pizza Cats. Yep. So, so like, that's how those episodes finally saw the light of day mm-hmm. uh, was that. It led to the famous moment where they have the final episode of Black RX where all these past, or not the final episode of Black RX, but like part of the final arc of that show is a bunch of the, the classic common writers all show up. And when they, they condense that entire arc for the, for the final episode of Mass Rider, they're like, okay, so we're going to have the scene where everybody's introducing themselves. Only the problem is, is no one did a double check on the, uh, the edit. And so all like all the voices are mixed up for all the different characters. Oh, so there's this so hence to the meme where they're supposed to go to Commander Amazon, who's like this uh, this lizard type thing, and and there's this grim looking guy, and um, they gave his voice to Skyrider, and so you cut to Skyrider, and he's like, I am Amazon, and so that became <laughs> that has since become a meme. <laughs> 
to like because it just comes out of nowhere. It's like I am mass writer, warrior, leader. I am X. I am strong man. I am Amazon. <laughs> it's all mixed up. And I remember watching this like you know years later, um, for the first time, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Wait, no, 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 no. You're like, oh man, oh shit, they fucked up. <laughs> so, oh, but like. For for people who have no idea what Common Writer even is, uh, they're probably going like, "Wait, what? What is all this? I don't know what this is." So, yeah. uh, because we're we're going to focus primarily on the classic Common Writer, the yeah. original, the OG, uh, and the manga. So, if you had to describe Common Writer to someone who had never watched it, never heard of it, had no idea what it was. How would you describe it to somebody? Um, sort of like a very dark, dramatic sci-fi superhero type story um, to really best set it up. Because it's like, um, it's more about, yeah, it's, it's basically like you have the, the, the one man war. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the quest for justice, that sort of thing. But it really is more of like a, like a, like a uh, one man war, like a one man against the world type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's very much, I mean, and like a lot of, and you know, it's that, and you have like themes of nature, you know, like, uh, you know, like nature versus sun, you know, like t- technology and, and all that stuff kind of mixed in with good versus evil. But at its core, it's always just sort of been like basically just that solitary war nowadays, not so much because it's a little more toyetic, but it's like that, you know, that whole solitary hero against the world, you know, um, using, you know, his curse to kind of fight back against the people that cursed him, basically. And, yeah, I think that just about that. That's a very loose summary of it without going into, like, the basic storyline. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so like uh, a friend of mine once said, it's like if you had to go through like, all the different franchises, as you have like and sum up in one word, it's like Ultraman is hope. Um, Super Sentai or Power Rangers is friendship. And common writers like justice, basically. Yes, I would say that is a pretty good encapsulation of it. If you were going to specifically like label each one in a different sort of like vibe. <laughs> yeah. Because each one does have its own sort of vibe, even though there is a lot of crossover between those three like major because those are like basically the three major tokusatsu like things is yeah is ultraman sentai and common rider yeah we we call them the big three yes a different big three (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah a very 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 different big three but yeah we we call them the big three um sometimes the big four if you include like godzilla and stuff and one of the the coolest parts about uh tokusatsu is that like uh a lot of it can be pinned down to certain people for like making certain things just like explode into that like whole spectrum you were talking about Mm -hmm. like and one of those people that we're going to be talking about today is Shotaro Ishinomori yes who is such an important figure not just in tokusatsu but in anime and manga in general yeah and it's wild to me how so many things in modern anime, manga, tokusatsu, pop culture in general can be pinned down to 
this man's ideas. Mm. It is really wild to me because, you know, uh, growing up, like we have in the West thought of like certain figures as being very important, but like Shotaro Ishinomori, I feel like hasn't really gotten his flowers until like recently mm. in the West because like we're, we're, you know, taught about people like uh, Osamu Tezuka and uh, Hayao Miyazaki and all this other stuff. But I'm like, he, the more I read about Shotaro Ishinomori over the years, the more I'm like, this man is incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, literally, why are we not talking about Shotaro Ishinomori more? <laughs> yeah. There was a... Um... There was that one episode of the toys that made us that that tried to pin him as like the Japanese Stanley, and I kind of disagree with it because it's like, um, and because I feel like more in the sense like that you know when I think of Stanley, I think more of a mover and shaker than mm-hmm. like than like a creator as much. Um, yeah, Stanley was more of like an idea guy, basically. Yeah, um, and so like which is harsh to Mori. I mean, really, because uh, Common Rider forms the 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 spearhead of what can be known as like the henshin boom um mm-hmm. and so that goes from like 1971 to like um some people will say it's like 19, it's like it wraps up around 1975 i argue that it wraps up around like like 1980 1981 mm-hmm. um because like that's when the when you kind of had like the output kind of die down because like you were because th- Toei was still producing hero shows up until like like the like the more out there hero shows and stuff like that like throughout the, like the later half of the 70s and stuff so like when you get to like 1980 that's when like the Ultraman revival has died the Ultraman 80 wrap is wrapped up um uh, Super 1 is wrapped up uh, and so on so it's um you have Kamen Rider at the spearhead of that where it's like that and like Spectre Man which uh, basically, are like pave the way for more shows like it, and you know, you think of like Barum One, and then you've got like uh, Kikaider, which is also by Shitaro Shinomori. Um, it's and a lot of the the hero shows that are being cranked out by Toei at the time have Shitaro Shinomori involvement, and mm-hmm. even if it's just like the root, the rudimentary premise. Yep. Um, or it's just designs. Like he has just gone there it's it's absolutely bonkers just the amount of like there's this um illustration uh in uh what was it uh moeo pen which is the uh, kazuhiko shinomoto um autobiographical manga and he talks about when he worked with him for skull man and there's just this two-page spread being like it's like Shatarsh Namori, the man just burns. And it's like a this like two-page spread of him and like every hero he's ever created just emerging from like his shadow. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's a perfect summation <laughs> of, of the yeah. impact this man had. This 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 man it was bananas. Like people talk about how crazy Osamu Tezuka was with his creations. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Shotaro Ishinomori actually created more manga than Osamu Tezuka. Oh yeah, he holds the record. <laughs> yeah, which um, why why aren't we talking about this more often? Um, again? <laughs> it's so weird. It it, it is kind of weird. Um, I I kind of attribute that to kind of like maybe shorthand, but also accessibility. Because I mean, like it's true. Because I mean, like when Cyborg 009 came out, it was through Tokyo Pop, and it 
and it was because of the, the show and tsunami, but that never really progressed as, as much as it should have, mm-hmm. which is a shame because it was a good show. Um, you know, or we had Kikaider even, and then that didn't that didn't pick up. Although that was popular in like Hawaii, uh, and that's like a whole other episode waiting to happen. Basically, <laughs> uh, talking about that. Um, but it's yeah, it's just he has not gotten his his due out in America. I mean, um, and that was the, one of the things I argued when I did that whole rebuttal to that review, basically, because like I mean, he's because like uh, Ishimori is known for much more than that. I mean, like you know, flying Phantom ship for crying out loud. Oh yeah, uh, you know, Genmo, you know, Genmo Wars and all that stuff. Like that, he's he's known more for that than than like just his Tokusatsu output. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, so to to talk a little bit more. about about him as a manga artist, uh, he was actually an assistant to Osamu Tezuka, where yep. he helped work on iconic manga that Tezuka did, including Astro Boy, which, I mean, you have that under your belt. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty amazing in general. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I helped work on Astro Boy. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but just like flick your hair back. It's like, don't mind me. I just worked on one of the most influential manga ever created. Don't mind me. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just went on to make a whole bunch of other influential things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he would later go on to create Japan's first team of cybernetic heroes, like you said, Cyborg 009, which was hugely popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1970, he created Skullman, which was uh, credited as one of the first anti-heroes in manga. Mm. And this series was interesting because it didn't shy away from sacrificing innocent people uh, to get, you know, for Skullman to get what he wanted, which was a huge twist for like a hero manga at the time. Because mm. we're talking like 1970. This was, you know, pretty early in the uh, the the game for this type of genre. Right. So. He created that manga while developing Common Writer, the TV series with Toei. Yes. And Skullman was more of like his personal take on what he wanted to do originally. But yeah, something like that. It was, but wasn't really allowed to. Because <laughs> it was, oh yeah, because it was just dark. I mean, oh yeah, my if gosh. You've ever, if you've ever read Skullman, it is. Uh, <laughs> It is quite different yeah, than uh, Common yeah, Rider. Yeah, because there's the original, which I believe it's because the when it was first released on Comicsology, I think you could still be able to get that, um, uh, like digitally. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's available. Yeah, and it's it's just so dark. Like I honestly, when I think about it now, the more I kind of think about like uh, the Shadow. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, and not so much the radio drama version of it, but like the the one in the novels, which is a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And where it's like he basically has like a, a like a, a Dick Tracy esque like array of people working with him, but like he's also just incredibly dark and will like just gun you down without like any sort of like hesitation if 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 like the bigger picture calls for it or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's it's really interesting to kind of look at it like that. And then uh, years later, Shimamoto who is now probably better known to some people in the audience for uh, doing Blue Blazes, um, which uh, was, was another autobiographical uh, piece for him. Um, but Shimamoto would have worked uh, on a reboot slash continuation slash conclusion 
for uh, Skullman with Ishinomori, and that got released in America through uh, Tokyo Pop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think that was yeah. the w- version that got like remade into an anime as well. No, that was a completely different uh, thing. So that was just a oh. that was just like a, another remix, basically. Ah, which but, makes sense because a lot of these uh, heroes they get remixed over and over again. Oh yeah, that is uh, very common, as as you will see if you dip into any sort of henshin hero thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, the the Common Writer manga and the Common Writer TV series kind of came out around the same time, isn't that correct? Yeah, it was an example of media mix. So, mm-hmm. um, and how so like how that worked is you know you would have like your your TV show, but then you'd have like your manga coming out around the same time to kind of build awareness and to promote it. But in cases for like both uh, Ishinomori as well as like Gona Guy. Uh, the manga would deviate completely uh, from the subject matter. And yes, that was something that I thought was really kind of cool, actually, because uh, reading the manga, I was I already was aware of like where the TV show plot went. Yeah. Uh, so reading the manga was like really cool because it veered completely in a different direction at a certain mm. point. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is really interesting because it's different than what I would expect. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, like I think we're as much of like a deviation that kind of happens with Common Rider when you get to like his later media mix stuff. That's where it goes absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> there's my favorite one is uh, Inazuman, uh, which he basically th- took the a very simple premise with the show where it's just, oh, here's a dude who's a mutant who has the ability to have a, co- a weave cocoon armor and then break out and become like this, this psychic insect dude. You know, and which is great and wonderful. And it's just very simple. It's a very fun action show. Um, and then <laughs> the manga then decides, okay, I'm going to weave in all of my conspiracy theory stuff, all my theories about um, supernatural stuff and psychics and everything. And I'm just going to just do this thing that's a cross between X, uh, X-Men and the Tomorrow People. <laughs> and it's, it's honestly one of my favorite things he's ever done since Kikaider. Wow. Uh, yeah, I I absolutely recommend tracking it down if you can. Yeah, that's that sounds wild. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like uh there's a lot more that went into the whole like producing the the TV show uh mm. for Common Rider and whatnot. Um uh what I've discussed so far is like basically a very extremely simplified version of how these things came to be. Uh, if you want a really detailed article on the making of the Kamen Rider TV series, there's a really good one on Zemerit that I'll link in the show notes yeah. um, called Kamen Rider Behind the Mask. It's very, very thorough. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Coop for doing that one. Uh, he, he absolutely knocked it out of the park with that. Uh, yeah, it is it, uh, very detailed, has a lot of great stuff in it is a very interesting read. Uh, yeah, I wanted to also recommend as well, um, my good buddy, uh, Matt Briquette did an amazing documentary um, called, uh, what was it? Uh, basically, Common Rider Gaia, uh, which is, uh, it looks at what was supposed to be Shatara Shinomori's sort of like lost take on the Common Rider premise that then evolved into like four different shows Oh, over wow. the cor- over the course of like three decades, <laughs> and uh, but it, that also goes very 
heavily into detail uh, for like the making of Kamen Rider as well. And I think it's one of the best produced fan documentaries on YouTube. I highly recommend it. Oh, that's great. I'll I'll uh, be sure to send me a link to that. I'll put it in the show notes. So we'll do that. No, yeah, be sure to people can watch it. Yeah, yeah. please do. It's it's such a great thing. And then part two will hopefully be coming out uh, soon. I want to say I hope. <laughs> so. But uh, no pressure, Matt. No <laughs> pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to like my original idea, uh, the original topic of this is I wanted to put out there a just how much of a cultural impact Common Writer had. Like, mm. I feel like as the years have gone by and Common Writer media has become more easily accessible and people have written about it in English more and more, I learn more, like, all the time about how, like, wait, this was actually a huge influence on e- things you wouldn't even really think about. Mm. And and the more you learn about Common Writer, at least in my experience, the more you see it in almost everything in Japanese media. Like, oh yeah, it is literally inescapable. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was um, it's the it was the ultimate trendsetter, um, especially and it, like, uh, and it is yeah, like it'll show up in like the most random places. Uh, Giver, going back to Giver, that was conceived as as a uh, a kind of a riff on Common Writer. Mm-hmm. Like it was designed to absolutely be a riff on Common Rider, uh, but the editor was, um, if I remember correctly, for the magazine at the time, was just like, uh, "That's great, but could you make it more violent?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that like blew my mind when I I finally got to sit down and read all of the manga recently. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Seven Seas who gave me a digital copy to read for this episode. Like. Hey. So, so, so kind of them because I've been wanting to read this for ages because I was like, I know this is a very large blind spot in my Japanese pop culture knowledge and I would like to learn more. And as I have been learning more over the years, like I said, like the the connections you can make, it suddenly appears. Like I turn into the fucking meme of uh, what's his face from Always Sunny with his... <laughs> Oh, the, pe- the Pepe Silva. <laughs> yes. I turned into the Pepe Silva meme. Like, I'm like, oh my God, it's this and it's this and it's this. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's fucking amazing. And the first thing that like, I really noticed is like, shit, the manga is way more violent than I assumed it would be. Oh yeah. Um, But it's also like, so fun to read. Yeah. <laughs> I I blew through the manga in like days because I was just like, this is so great. Like I forgot, like it's been a long time since I read an Ishinomori comic. The last one being Cyborg 009. Mm. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't read all of it because obviously it's like hard to find. Yeah. Uh, but I enjoyed this one even more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, because like uh, there's like there's body horror. There's there's uh themes about like environmentalism and philosophy and like, you know, what it means to be human and heroism and like justice, like you said. And I was just like, this fucking rules. <laughs> And the artwork, like, holy shit. Like, I I would argue that this is one of the best classic manga that I've ever read just with the artwork. Mm. It has 
everything I want. It has dynamic action. Uh, it has uh, so much sense of movement. Mm. Uh, it has uh, all the really cool, like, retro computer dials and gizmos you could ever want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you if you read any of Leji Matsumoto's manga and we're like i fucking love how he draws panels and ships and shit man this rules i'm like okay but ishinomori also draws those really cool he draws <laughs> he draws like these fucking huge supercomputers with the same kind of paneling and i'm like yeah that's the shit i love it <laughs> that's the good shit did like how 9000 before 2001 basically <laughs> yeah Seriously, it's so beautiful. Like, uh, his artwork is stunning. Like, his line work is insane. Uh, yeah. Like, I know he probably had a lot of help with his, uh, like, assistants and whatnot, mm. as, as a manga artist does. But still, the line work is so dynamic. And this was back before, like, you saw a lot of screen tone. Like, obviously, he, he did use a lot of screen tone where applicable. But most of it's line work. Oh, yeah. And like he like, oh, gosh, I, I did a live read of this on Twitch and I completely forgot, like, just how many of the pages were just movement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's just so many really cool, like two page yeah. spreads of like him jumping in the air or doing a really fucking sick kick. Yeah. Like the it's like during the 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 man bat um, story where like he does like the full like transformation and it's just the silhouettes you see the eyes light up and the belt light up and he's like backlit. Yeah, that's I like love, Yeah, I fucking love how many times in this manga you just see Common Rider as a fucking huge dark like shadowy creature with glowy <laughs> eyes. He looks like the fucking Mothman or something. <laughs> and I love that. I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is like fucking horror manga now. <laughs> yeah. And and, it, and at times it kind of does feel like that because there's a lot of like there's fucking monster people. There's yeah. there's you know all all this like just violence and shit. I'm like this feels like it could be crossing the territory into so many different genres and it's really fun well that's how the uh, the tv series started too even i mean the tv series leaned so hard on the horror um, yes yes like uh i haven't watched all of the tv series i only was able to watch like the first handful of episodes recently because i've been so busy yeah but like that first episode some of those shots are so well directed and mm -hmm. like the the use of like light and shadow yeah. is fantastic it reminds me of like really good old 70s like noir movies mm. almost oh yeah um, and i was like dang like i had to look it up uh because i was like who's the director on this and it was a uh, koichi takamoto Mm. Uh, on that first episode, I was like, kudos to you, dude. This episode looks so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For something that was made in the 70s, I was like, this, like, I know a lot of people, like, we knock on old tokusatsu shows because sometimes they really show their age or, like, uh, they really had to, like kind of stretch a budget w for what they wanted to do versus uh, what they could do. <laughs> yeah. But to me, I feel like a a realistic special effect, like a hard special effect with like 
uh, with costumes or puppets or whatever is always going to be so much more effective than a CG special effect. Yeah. No matter how good that CG effect is, because eventually it'll age and it won't look good. Like you might think it looks good in the moment, but like a lot of times they don't age well, but like the, the DIY spirit of that TV show makes it all the more charming. Mm. I feel like. Yeah. And, and like you, you can even think like, Oh, they did this to make this effect. Like, even if you can tell what they did, you're like, that's really smart. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when they were doing the, um, uh, famously in the original series, if you killed a, one of the bad guys, they turned into foam and they disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and they did that thing where they, they, they took a, a shot of like someone blowing bubbles through, like, it looked like a panel or something. Yeah. And they played it backwards. So it looked like the bubbles were uh, disappearing. Mm. And I was like, that's actually really smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they kept, like, experimenting and experimenting. They, um, I think the best application of the bubble effect, uh, it's in, I think it's in one of the movies. And I think, because I think it was, yeah, I think it was uh, V3 versus Destron Kaijin and, or Destron Mutants. And, there's a, a bit where a dude gets hit with a laser and what happens is, is they, he is hit and he's screaming and they have like a pipe con- like concealed underneath his shirt or whatever. And he's, they have him wear black to better conceal it. And the bubbles just shoot up from under, from like underneath his shirt, under his collar Ooh. and stuff like that. So it's like, it's, so it's like they're making him dissolve like on the spot. It was so cool. Um, but I do want to say too, like in terms of that spirit, like kind of the DIY thing. I mean, yeah, like they had like a fraction of the budget that, like, say, like Ultraman had, and they had mm-hmm. to kind of make it work. Um, and the big thing about it is, and I do, and I want to pay service to um, one of the, like, kind of the unsung heroes for this is a guy by the name of Nobo Yajima, um, who was the go-to special effects dude for Toei. For a number of years, all the way from like the original like uh, giant Robo, you know Johnny Sacco and his flying robot, mm. um, all the all the way from there up till like 1993. Wow! Like he yeah he was their go to guy. And the thing about him, and you'll see it a lot in these early shows, is he is a master of working with like very little. Because like he because his whole thing is like okay it's like don't rely on too many cuts. You know, you know, shoot for the edit if you have to, um, but make sure that, like, you know, when something needs to hit, it hits hard. And um, another thing, too, is the uh, a friend of mine had best explained this, where it's like this. Uh, there's like the idea of like wabi sabi, um, which is like the the, uh, the 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 kind of that beauty of, of imperfection, essentially. Yeah. Uh, where and one of the other things that's really good about the special effects for here. And then also in other shows in the Henshin boom, um, like, see, like Hikider, you know, where it's like, um, you have so little, but there's just enough in the editing and there's just enough in say like the color or like the production design that you can, you're able to stay in the action and not get taken away. So like, you know, when there's like a monster that is killed by being thrown off the roof, they don't show the body impact. They just show the blood splatter. Like mm-hmm. on the pavement, and that's all you need. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's all you need. And I—that's what I love about those early episodes. 
because they really lean hard into that, and which makes the horror more horrifying. Yeah, and it was so funny too because like I was uh, watching this like with my partner, and they were like, "This was a kids show." <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, isn't it wild that, like, in the 70s, we were like, yeah, kids love, you know, uh, a, a really meaty plot that they can dig their teeth into. And now it's like people make things for kids and they're like, mm, we got to make it stupid enough because kids aren't going to figure out what this means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, like, I was like, dude, if I'd seen this when I was a kid, I would have fucking been all over this because, like... The dude is not just a, a motorcycle racer, but he's a biologist mm-hmm. and he's like super smart and he's super strong. And mm-hmm. like there's all these like monsters every every episode that he's got yeah. a battle. And there's like a super secret, like sort of Nazi coded uh, evil organization he has to fight. Oh, not just coded. It's like they're, they're straight up like remnants of the Third Reich. Like they, they outright say it. Um because what was it? Um, and they even expanded in, in like the the lore that like there's a villain who shows up later, uh, Doctor uh, Shinigami or literally Doctor Death, uh, who is a former uh, Nazi scientist, basically. Oh dang! See, I haven't since I haven't seen all of it. Like this is news to me. Oh, I, you, I, I just the, the changeover. I, <laughs> I just know that like when I have uh, seen a lot of the the iconography of Shocker, which is like the 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 big baddies yeah. uh, of Common Writer, uh, the original Common Writer at least. Uh, a lot of it has very Nazi I- heavy iconography, and I was mm. like, oh, mm. oh yeah, no, they they are canonical links. Um, like, and then once you get further into it, you have like the appearance of Colonel Zoll, who is who is yeah specifically Nazi coded um, in terms of like his outfit and stuff like that. Um, then you get Doctor Death. Who also turned like in in like later lores ex- expanded to be that. Uh, there's actually whole plot lines about them trying to find like, the last secret of the Third Reich, and stuff like that. Um, there's uh, all sorts of stuff there, which is just absolutely bonkers. But the funny thing is, um, is that what? <laughs> which that's a hell of a segue. Uh, the funny thing <laughs> is that um, while you do get a lot of that seriousness and like uh, in terms of, like the, the the cinematography and stuff like that. Uh, that only lasts for a handful of episodes because, unfortunately, uh, there's the uh, there's the accident that happens, which results in these shows big shift. And where uh, it like some people argue that you could technically break the show off into seasons. So like the first 12 episodes could literally be part of that. And then episode like 13 onward is like a whole other thing because um, you have the uh, introduction of Hayato Chimonji is Kamen Rider 2, because unfortunately the actor who played Kamen Rider 1 uh, suffered a very terrible motorcycle accident during filming. He's out for six months and they have yeah, to... Yeah, and they were they were like, well, we can't just like not have a Kamen Rider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories to come out of that was there was supposedly a meeting where they're like, okay, so what are we going to do with, with uh, Hongo? Um, well, we can replace him well, what are we going to do with the character? Oh, we could probably just kill him off, have him just killed off on screen. Supposedly, Toruhiriyama like, got upset about this and was like, do you really want to kill the dreams of children? And, you know, uh, and, and made sure that that wasn't the case. So he just went off to fight Shocker in Europe for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the show does this massive retool. Uh, and so you have, suddenly you have 
um, a much lighter tone. Um, the horror aspects are toned down just a little bit. It's not as scary. It's more kid-friendly. Uh, you now have the writer girls who are like three random women who join up, uh, who join up the, the Tachibana Racing Club, uh, one of them being Linda Yamamoto, um, whose whole shtick is she's she's kind of like the Fujiko of the group, but she's like 1960s Fujiko. <laughs> uh, but she's really good at fencing. Um, fortunately, the show doesn't let her get to do that as much. Well, uh, it's the 70s, so... It's the, it's the 70s, yeah. That's a whole other thing. But, um, but yeah, I think that's why you have a lot of people, like me included, who really love that those early episodes. And I think that's another reason why the manga really is so treasured and revered. It's because it kind of takes that tone and just keeps running with it mm-hmm. um, in terms of the horror. Because like once you do the changeover in the manga, which is a lot more grisly. Than, yeah. It's, <laughs> than, it's way different. Because like in the TV show, they just explain the changeover in like 45 seconds. Um, in the manga, um, I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's pretty dark. Yeah. And, and we go right from that to like a gothic horror story, basically. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that like the later chapters do have a little bit more humor and a little bit more goofiness in them. Yeah than the first ones uh so that's kind of mirrored in that but yeah at the same time they are still really like it's a lot more violent and darker than the uh the tv series for oh, sure very much i mean there's like you know people with like the onibaba masks and all that stuff and yeah it's... oh the the fucking the flying manta rays that are like straight out of like a fucking uh junji ito manga mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I was like, holy shit, this manga has everything. Oh, yeah, it was it was nuts. And then, like, dude has, like, survives it by literally, like, breaking out of a whale. Yes. <laughs> like, holy shit. I was like, man, I should have read this so long ago. This, this manga <laughs> yeah. fucking rules. It's so good. It is so good. And it goes by so quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, like, like one I... of the most abrupt endings ever. It is very abrupt. I was, I like, because I was getting near the end. I was like, how is this going to end? I was like, what the? And then at the end, it's like, it's it kind of lands on a somber note, but, like, it made sense for the story. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I was very surprised at it. I was like, wow, this is not what I expected at all. But so fun. <laughs> like, holy shit. Mm. What I'm saying is, read read Common Writer. It's one giant book, and you'll want to read the Friggin whole. Friggin' read it, folks. Just do it. It's very good. <laughs> read one Common Writer. Make America strong. <laughs> yes. It'll make you want to punch a Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, that's already the time we live in right now. What better time? Yeah. To, to read Common Writer when we are actually like. People out there have to punch Nazis. Come yeah. on. I mean, what, yeah, not, and then at least in this case, they explode, you know? <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if they did in real life? Yeah. That would be so convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, if they exploded into a little shower of bubbles, very convenient. Oh, okay, the bubbles is one thing. I'm talking about like, what happens later on in the show is somebody <laughs> somebody has the bright idea that's like, okay, so we can't keep doing this bubble effect all the time. What if they get hit with the rider kick and it causes a chain reaction, they fall over a hill, and they just friggin' blew up. <laughs> so like, yeah. so that's that's what happens. That, that became the standard. And that became like the Tokusatsu standard after that. And any other show 
whenever a monster is defeated, they just it just blow up. Yeah, just, they just explode. Just, which just is big ass so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Which uh, you know, going back to Ishinomori, he he was also the you know not to go too off into a side tangent that's not common writer, but he's Uh-oh. also basically the the father of uh, Sentai because he came yeah. up with Go Ranger. Mm, which was originally supposed to be a team of five common writers. Yes, <laughs> that was the original conceit. They was they're like, hey, so what if we did a team of five common writers, uh, Shatara? Would be great, what, right? And then for whatever reason, it just it just fell through. It fell through, and they're like, well, why don't we just make them like secret agents instead? And then Musco Ranger was born. Yes. <laughs> so. So. Uh, there is a lot of crossover between like the whole Sentai and Common Rider thing because they're very much like in the same vein and they're made by the same creator. Oh so, yeah, it's a lot of the same staff too. Um, mm-hmm. And it like yeah, one basically replaced the other. Like they made the decision to end like that first run of Common Rider um, at Common Rider Stronger to just because like well it's popular we should probably end it while at, at its at its height basically and come up with something new. Um, and so then they, and that, that kind of paved the way for Go Ranger and then Go Ranger continued the, the henshin boom essentially, um, like in kind of having it veer into like new territory. And which is funny though, because Go Ranger and its sequel, Jacka, um, they were not considered super sentai for a number of years. Um, cause you had like, like the, to summarize it, and this is useless pub trivia, so probably win you a free bar tab. So basically, like, uh, so you had, like, Go Ranger and Jacka. Jacka gets cancelled because of low ratings, and they did, like, a retool on that show as well, because it was, like, super dark. And so you basically don't really have anything Sentai-related until 1979, and then from 1979 onward, that is the Super Sentai series, and then Go Ranger and Jacka just sort of existed on the side, as something they're like hey hey guys we're here too yeah and it wasn't until years later which is funny because in 1989 they did the 10th anniversary of super sentai and they left them out but then then in 1995 (laughs) they did the 20th anniversary and they're like hey what if we included go ranger and shaka and that's how that happened, basically. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah, it, there's, it was a whole convoluted thing. But I think Bandai and Toei realized there was money to be had you know, on the table. Just of course. To find an excuse to include them for another anniversary year, which is usually how it goes. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so like it, there's a lot of that same crossover. Um, and a lot of the same people show up, even. Um, what was it? Uh, Hiroshi Miyauchi, who played uh, Commander V3, was uh, Owl Ranger in Go Ranger and also appears in Jaka as the team leader. So it's um, like, uh, it's, it's pretty nuts. Uh, once you kind of see like, the, the cross pollination that happens there. Yeah. And a lot of the directors that worked on common writer things also worked on Sentai things. Oh yeah. Same producers too, as well. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, Toei even paid um, service to this years later because they had like a net spinoff. Uh, called Go Rider, which was basically a fusion of Go Ranger and Common Rider uh, oh. to, to honor the original uh, concept. That's <laughs> like a deep cut. Amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never heard of this. Yeah. So, like, if you see online, you see like a photo of like five Common Riders with like the scar, uh, like the capes and, and whatnot from like uh, Go Ranger, and they're all multicolored. Yeah, that's what that's from. 
That's, oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so That's so cool. So we've kind of talked about how like, oh, Common Rider is so influential, but now I, I thought it would be fun to go into like some of the specific influences, like oh, just to, to give people like an idea of like where some of uh, these things came from and the kind of things that they would eventually like influence in the future. So something that I think is definitely worth mention is that another iconic manga artist was one of Ishinomori's assistants, and that mm-hmm. is Go Nagai. <laughs> and I think it's very fair to say that many of common writers and, and you know, just Ishinomori's works in general, uh, themes and visuals had a big impact on Nagai because oh, yeah. Devil Man debuted a year after Common Writer, and mm. I feel like it shares a lot of the same like visual elements and themes. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's uh, the the TV series is is essentially Henshin Hero coded. Oh, for sure, it's for absolutely sure. Henshin Hero coded, and so it's like you have a lot of that kind of running through, uh, which is absolutely insane. Because like uh, I did a review recently for um, the, the Vintage Engine Patreon where I talked about Mazinger Z versus Devilman, and I and as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, okay, so this came out like you know seven you know it's like seventy two whatever, and I'm. And this is right around like peak kaiju boom, henshin boom stuff. And I'm like, of course he's going to look like that. It makes sense now why they did that. Oh my gosh, why didn't I pick up on that? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No. When I when I learned about how you know, Gonagai was an Ishinomori assistant, I was like, oh my God, it makes perfect sense why the TV series is like how it is because it came out after common writer and they were like quick we got to make this more like a henshin hero mm. he's 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 blue and he's red <laughs> yeah and it did the trick and then it, it was another case of media mix where you had the tv show and, and they developed it and they're like all right go to guy have fun and he just cracked his knuckles it's like all right let's make everyone very depressed Let's make everyone very depressed, very violent, very gay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, God bless you, Gona guy. Oh, thank you, Uncle Go. <laughs> we, we love good old Uncle Go in this house. Oh, my gosh. But, <laughs> as, yeah. as you could have probably t- uh, figured out when I did the the episode about how influential Devil Man was in Gona guy, uh, that was another thing that, like, it does kind of have its roots in Common Rider, though. Yeah. Uh, even though the the manga is completely different, but the fact that he worked with Ishinomori, like you you can't deny that there is influence there. there yeah, there's a little bit of like um you know uh, influenced by osmosis with yes. a, a lot of it. I mean, especially with how like he'll draw some of his panels too in terms of the motion. And oh, everything. for sure. Yeah, very much a lot of the line work. Uh, mm-hmm. Holy hell! Um, I mean, you can't help but not be. Like have that have that influence there, yeah. And the fact that uh, Common Rider was the first Henshin hero, basically, yeah. like that has uh, basically any transforming hero basically has Common Rider to thank for this. Oh yeah. So so like this includes so many classic franchises like Saint Seiya, Ronin Warriors, like yeah. even even Cutie Honey. Like, oh yeah, and that's kind of an interesting thing too with Kitty Honey because like 
Um, because you'll uh, have like Comrader kind of having that that henchin here, uh, henchin boom spearhead. Um, then like Cutie Honey will take influences like from that, but then also uh, from another Tokusatsu show, um, uh, Seven Color Mask, which yes. was like a, like basically that that whole conceit. So it's yeah, it's it's everywhere. And the thing, I mean, henchin became a buzzword. Mm-hmm, for for mm-hmm. a number of years, like how when Ultraman came out in the '60s, Ultra became became a buzzword. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you look at like nin, like Nintendo, like a lot of their their toys they're putting out at the time, all of them had Ultra in the title because it, oh. it, it it had you kind of like looking over. Toei took advantage of it even uh, when they took a time slot um, and they put out a show called Captain Ultra, which people thought is this related to Ultraman? No, but uh, but uh, it got my attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, that's that's the whole thing. So Henshin became a buzzword uh, when Toei did the Toei Manga Matsuri around the time of Common Rider and like Barum One. They ended up calling it like I think it was like the Hench the, the Henshin Great Gathering. Ah, yeah. So it, yeah, so Henshin became a buzzword. I mean, there was also the Henshin Cyborg toys mm-hmm. as well that came out from Takara, and that because that was them basically being like. Hey, so we have the license to the G.I. Joe bodies, but it's just kind of boring. Um, let's just make it clear, put some machine parts in them and make it so <laughs> kids can dress them up as their favorite anime and tuxatsu heroes and villains. All right, we got this. Money's made. So, <laughs> and that's literally what happened. And then Henshin yep. Cyborg became uh, Micronauts from yeah, there. So, yeah. It, yeah, so there's, yeah, that influence is everywhere. Um, yeah. And so to to even go further, like, you know, it used to be magical girls in the past, like pre seventies. Yeah, they they were usually like girls that they had magic powers and they used it to help people. There yeah. usually wasn't like an evil organization or fighting evil or anything like yeah. that. It was literally just like, mm, what if I use my special magic powers to help my neighbor or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, but like after Cutie Honey. Like, we saw a change, kind of, after a mm. while. And it kind of apexed with Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah, very much. Like, Absolutely. that was the big change. Because suddenly, it's not just one magical girl, it's a team. And they have a whole trans... They have a whole henshin sequence. Yeah. And it was, like, a big deal of the the plot was like them transforming and that can be specifically traced to the henshin boom Mm. because uh naoko takuchi herself has said she was a huge fan of like ishinomori and gonagai and like all these other things uh she loved um pow train which was you know a henshin hero woman oh yeah that was yeah that was part of the um the Toei Fushigi comedy series, the mystery comedy series. And so you had like all these like sort of magical girl esque shows coming out around that time, um, which weren't necessarily like in the traditional hero mold, but also had an involvement from uh, Ishinomori and, mm-hmm. and some, some commentator staff. But then you also had Shushu Torian, which even had a, a Ultraman crossover episode, which is absolutely hilarious. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's like when you really get to the nitty gritty of it, it's there's, there's so much there. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, charge man can even. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Charge man can. I mean, if you I mean, if you really want to go there, <laughs> uh, you know, like that, I mean, gotcha man, um, even, um, yeah, yeah. sort of that, un, uh, the, uh, sort of unofficial precursor to Super Sentai in a way. I mean, it had a lot of those same things. Um, I mean, a lo- pretty much the entirety of like Tatsunoko's like superhero out, but like output is like, 
defined by like the henshin boom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. And without these things, we wouldn't have like modern like tropes or fandom like as we know them. Mm. Like, and it's so amazing that we can like literally now go back and be like pinpoint in this point in time and be like this was it this was the thing that influenced so many things yeah like it's it's kind of wild because you know like like we were talking about before like this this stuff was hard to get back in the day like when Mm. we were growing up like we had to do shady tape trading is like you were saying we had to like (laughs) go to conventions and find people who had like you know bootlegs or or imports or you know things like that because it just was not accessible to us oh absolutely yeah and the internet wasn't really like taking off quite yet it was in its infancy so like information became worth its weight in gold because we just didn't know about these things and so it's so cool now that we have a lot more resources that we can like fill in all of these cultural blanks that a lot of us did not know about Mm. until now um and that's been like a joy for me these past like you know 10 ish years when things have become way more accessible and it's so cool like i said i just keep finding more things like um like another thing that common writer made famous was his trademark posing Mm. and this is also a thing that you see in anime and manga all the time now (laughs) like the common writer posing and something that was a huge influence on maybe this little guy that you know, this artist named Akira Toriyama. Oh, yeah. Uh, you probably haven't heard of him. Just a little guy <laughs> on the fringe, you know. He's just the guy who made Dragon Ball. You know, no big deal. Uh, but you might notice that many of the characters in Dragon Ball do poses that are in the vein of Kamen Rider posing. Or, like, just Sentai in general when it comes to, like, say... Um, the Ginyu Force. That I mean, that's obviously a riff on like Sentai posing right oh, yeah. there, because they're a whole team. Mm. Um, but we also have like fusion dances where you have to do specific posing, mm. and uh, characters like the Great Saiyan. Oh yeah, like this is a uh, Great Saiyan is obviously a riff on like Common Rider or Super Sentai in general. Oh, absolutely. It's... Like we we even get a duo. Uh, when, you know, Videl joins him, too. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, you know, if you haven't, you know, read or seen Common Rider, like, there is a point where there's two writers. So it's oh, like, yeah. hmm. <laughs> it's... Gee, I wonder what you're doing there, Akira Toriyama. <laughs> it, it was adorable, and they were underused. God damn it. <laughs> I, I know, I loved them so much. I was like, they're so cute. Oh, I like, adore this. 4K. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> they should have had their own spinoff. Honestly. They should They should have. There's still time. There's still time. I mean, we had the, the time I was reincarnated as Yamcha. There's totally a way they could do it. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. Someone um, out so, there, do it. <laughs> someone, please, for the love of everything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, and then getting into the posing. It's so interesting. Uh, but, like, another little uh, facet of that, too, is a, there's a lot of that stuff that comes from, like, other kind of, like, Japanese cultural uh, bits. So like, uh, like the Henshin pose, like al- was almost like inspired or it was for the most part, like inspired by like, you know, like almost like pre match, like sumo, po- like katas and imposing basically. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like, yeah, because the idea was like, okay, so you had the wind transformation, but then when Hayato shows up, his whole thing is he can trigger his transformation by just doing like a pose. And so the, like, well, th- so there's this whole thing now where she's like, okay, well, let's just have them do this thing. And it'll be something for the kids to imitate. It's like which got- they do. All the time. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And the other thing, another trope that comes up too, and that comes up a lot in Kamen Rider, is the big heroic introduction out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. um, which is emulated later in shows like Machine Robo, Revenge of Kronos, and stuff like that. Um, But that comes from Jedi Geki. Like it, com- oh. it comes from a lot of those like period shows because you'd have like these heroes who would just show up and make these big sweeping introductions um, in the same vein. So like um, like the time there's like episodes later like in uh, where it's like it's like wait a minute like where's that laughter coming from and then, and then common writers on the rooftop somewhere. It's like how did you escape? You know like that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know Jiro playing the guitar. And showing up uh, and his, uh, in Hikider, that's also from Jedi Geki. Uh, you know, like, uh, Zubat is basically a, a wandering samurai western type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, everything kind of ties back to it. Uh, so everything's, uh, everything is basically a remix is where I'm going with this. Like everything's a remix. Um, and it's, it's also just like proof that like Kamen Rider is like a very like quintessential like Japanese hero. Oh, like, yeah. Even if it doesn't seem like it at first glance, it, it like he is very deep rooted in Japanese culture. Absolutely. And an- another thing, like you said, like the whole the big speeches and the introductions and things. Again, we see this in Magical Girl stuff. Sailor Moon was huge on that. Like, yeah. Like uh, Tuxedo come in, comes in, says a bunch of stuff. Like, you wonder why he does that? Well, now you know. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's it all comes back. It's it's basically one big circle. It's it's pretty wild once you really get to the nitty gritty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, like I forget the name of the specific show, but like even with the original Common Writer, like a lot of the people who worked on this one period show basically carried over for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that's where it was like a little bit of that, a little bit of that kind of cross pollination was happening again. But um, makes perfect sense. It's so wonderful, though. It's so absolutely wonderful. Uh, and plus, when you're a kid, I mean, you definitely want to do, like, these big introductions. Um, my favorite was uh, Kikaider Zero One. Uh, you'd have Ichiro, like, with his big trumpet uh, playing his theme. And then he'd always have a speech. Um, Kamiter Stronger even has, like, a similar speech when he when he does this transformation. You know, it's like, uh, it's like the earth cries out, the heavens cry, blah, 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 you know, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like what, what, after he transforms, he does like this big speech to the villain of the week. Like that's all, again, that's all Jedi Geki. That's all very much rooted in the, the, like these old sort of things. Uh, and I believe, um, and there's a little bit of that theatricality to it, because uh, I believe in something like in No or Kabuki that, that they'll do at times in a lot of those stories too. Is have like these big introductions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. so so the so the audience knows who they are, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because in real life, like nobody would sit around and be like, "Okay, I gotta wait till this guy's done with his speech." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but transformation is of, a free action. It, but it's part of the fun. Like it's it's obviously like it's not supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's entertainment. Oh yeah. Um. There was a um. 
what was it? Uh, somebody had commented on with Common Writer that they felt like uh, how the choreography for it wasn't so much like standard choreography, but it was a lot like how you imagine play fighting was like when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. Like you think it looks like that dy- dynamic in your head, like, and you're, you're really just flailing like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? God damn it, that's fun though. <laughs> I'm on a bridge throwing uh, shocker grunts off. No, you're literally just fighting with your GI Joes. <laughs> it's fine though. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. But like, there are so many things that came out of Japan where, like, now if you if you know even just a little bit about Common Writer, like, you're like, oh, that's a Common Writer too. That's a Common Writer too. Yeah. Like, like Mega Man. Holy shit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like Mega Man. Um, oh, there was like another, there was like another really good example that I just, oh, um, yeah, Wingman, Wingman and, and Zetman also. Oh, yeah, for sure. Very, very, I mean, God, Zetman is quintessential common writer, but like, um, Wingman, um, from the, uh, and I always blank on his name, but the creator of like DNA 2. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, the, um, Katsuhara. Yeah, and because like Wingman is basically a riff on, on Tokusatsu Heroes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's just basically one big riff because like that that's the whole conceit of it is he gets his superpowers because he jots in a notebook and then can do like a pose and transforms and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is wild because that same artist would go on to make like Video Girl Eye later, completely different. <laughs> oh yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, just just the, no like the mood whiplash. Just, just you go from like Wingman, which is like it has its drama in it. And it has a bittersweet ending, but like, it, like it's still very kind of happy-go-lucky. And then you go from that to like Zetman, where, where it's like, I'm gonna make you stronger by putting you inside a labyrinth that's going to torture your friends and ruin them psychologically. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I forgot that that was him too. Yeah, man. <laughs> but like, uh, Zetman was an experience. Also, like uh, in Gunbuster, they do the Inazuma kick. Yes. I mean. That's obviously an homage to the writer. Kid. Well, uh, I mean, Ano basically has lived his life by common writer to the point where he showed up in <laughs> his, his wedding in and out. In, in the writer belt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, oh. and he also, he finally got to live his dream. He's he's making, he made, uh, you know, Shin Ultraman. He made Shin Godzilla. He made Shin Kamen Rider. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he started he started that off at basically torching, <laughs> torching the house that Ava built, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make all the shows that I loved as a kid now. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, God bless him. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! If you really want, like, to know the full extent of Ano's love of common writer, uh, track down Insufficient Direction. Uh, uh, <laughs> such a good manga! It's, it's so, so good. I it's, wish the anime would get licensed, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they finally put out uh, merchandise for it. They made a Nendoroid. Yeah, with Robert um, and everybody. Yeah, <laughs> a bumper and director son. That's supposed to be Ano. And yeah. I was like, "Wow, what a time to be alive!" You can buy a Nendoroid of Hideki Ano in a common writer suit. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I just wish they would put out the Return of Ultraman thing where he's in his windbreaker. But you know, uh, that would be cute. <laughs> something. Well, they made a Medicom of that back in the day, like like a real action hero. Yeah, fully sculpted. That. Yeah, fully sculpted and everything. You, and, like you can buy the parka now. You can buy wow. it. From, you can buy it from Costco, and of course it won't fit me because my my shirt size is unfortunate. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> they don't. Then they don't list stuff in unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but 
Um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, like Anno's love for Common Rider is like, is like ridiculous, um, <laughs> to the point where he had to be stopped at a press conference and he's like, so he's like, well, so what do you think of like the other writers? Well, it's like, well, I don't just like the old stuff. I mean, I like, you know, like that, I think V3 is pretty cool. X is pretty cool. Amazon's pretty cool. Stronger's pretty cool. Skyrider's pretty great. <laughs> <Fox. laughs> they're all pretty cool. And he's just going on. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I should probably stop. <laughs> you can find this clip online. It's absolutely adorable. Uh, it, it was for the, the opening of the Hideakiano exhibition. Uh, but, um, oh, so funny. But, uh, yeah, like, he, it, like, so much of that carried on. And, and like, when you watch um shin commentator if you go into it with the manga and maybe like a couple episodes of the tv show fresh in your mind you do get a lot more out of it mm-hmm. um and you can really see where things kind of get pulled from that it's it's pretty wild it's true it's true but like going back to other things like where you can see the influencing common writer like very clearly um i would say uh, you would also know about this like Yu-Gi-Oh and digimon there's so many there's so many characters that are basically like that's a common writer that's a common writer that's a common writer it's <laughs> yeah. just make a little game out of it um yeah. find the well, common writer <laughs> yeah it's like holy shit it would be yeah absolutely staggering i'm try- like, trying to think of some other like really big ones but yeah like just i mean the idea of like the henshin bank the idea of like uh, you're doing crazy stuff with the motorcycle, you know, doing the writer. I mean, it was funny because um, right around the same time as Common Rider was coming out, you had Return of Ultraman. And to kind of compete, uh, there was an episode where to beat a monster of the week, he had to learn how to do a rider kick. <laughs> you know, um, Ultraman Leo, one of his finishing moves was a, was a flying kick. Um, also... There's an episode of Ultraman Ace where they're on motorcycles and they, because f- what it is is, uh, it's because originally when Ultraman Ace starts, it takes a man and a woman to transform because they have to link rings. And usually they just jump in the air. Well, what they decided to do for this episode was a rider touch. So they, they jump on their motorcycles, jump off, do the flip in the air, and then hit the touch. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like they they would do all that kind of stuff just to sort of sneak it in, and like everyone had a motorcycle in the 1970s because of it. Oh, I bet everyone had a, everyone had a motorcycle. Any sort that it was, it was a hero, you had to have a motorcycle, mm-hmm. uh, or you had to have a cool car. Uh, yes. But by but by large, you had a motorcycle. I mean, Akimizer three had a motorcycle. Kiter had a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, like just kind of going down the line here. I mean. Hell, even Tuxedo Mask has a motor. Tuxedo Mask has a motorcycle, and he doesn't deserve one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything. But you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I think the motorcycle is only in the anime. I don't think it was in the manga, but they, the animators knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they clearly knew. They were, they, clearly knew. <laughs> yeah, they were like, um, his name is tuxedo come in he's yeah. gonna ride a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> like, like duh <laughs> it's in the name we have we have an obligation we have um, to do it yeah um but i was also i realized like uh i think just like a week ago when i was writing up my notes i was like oh fuck strider hugh and his giant ass fucking red scarf oh yeah um that and uh, to an extent cats and commando if you really want to get there too Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so but um yeah like there's so much oh god there there's um 
But there's a couple different like things like that too, where it's like um, something like I think there's a recent video game even that had that like Moon like a uh, Moon Rider or something like that. But um, yeah, it's it, it just created this archetype that is that just works, you know. Um, there's there's actually a, a parody play put up by uh, Tomokazu Seki's Theater Company, um, which is basically a giant riff on like you know uh, what was it? Uh, and it talks about how like there was a guy who was kidnapped by an evil organization and turned into a cyborg. But then suddenly kidnapped by another evil organization and then turned into <laughs> and then also then turned into another cyborg. Oh my god. <laughs> so, He's been cyborged out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um I wish that clip another I think that clip is still floating around online, but I wish the full play was available. It's it's so dumb, but I love it. <laughs> that um, sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like with the same type of like anime intonation, like, wait. So impossible. So you were kidnapped by another organization and turned into a cyborg again? <laughs> again? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and in like, so uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers with that. Uh, and in a way, it's um, it's been it's been interesting to see how that archetype kind of like evolves and also like how like the line kind of blurs, mm-hmm. um, like because uh, then like you had the Metal Hero series which came out which filled the void for Common Rider. Um, but it employs a lot of the same tropes, like with henshin poses and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also had like uh, Kamen Rider Black RX, which came out, which blurred the line between Metal Hero and Kamen Rider, and it was more Metal Hero than Kamen Rider. But uh, yeah, it, like it's like you just still have, will have a lot of those same like tropes kind of carry through. But uh, you know, and it's so funny how. Um, you know, you'll have like these these hero like parodies or even stuff like that. Where even they're like, we gotta have a head. We have to have the pose, otherwise it's not legit. We have yeah. to. Yeah, like, and I mean, they uh, seek for, that for anyone who watched, uh, you know, One Punch Man. I mean, Moomin Rider, little guy on the bike. <laughs> yeah, the uh, also the the secret kata, and then the one of the more recent Ninja Turtle shows on Nickelodeon. Yeah, but they they snuck in the V three <laughs> the V three pose. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool because we're also like like you said, we're now seeing it in like American media, which is so fun uh, and wild to think about. Because like for years, I, like, it was like you had to like have like landing lights and like flares to kind of get people to see what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's but now it is. It's like I mean, God, like they, there was like a Disney XD show where they straight up like had like a cleverly hidden like the Kuga belt uh, on on one of the characters and stuff well, like that. Wasn't there even like a Disney henshin belt made for like? Yep. It just some... came out. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> imagination like the anim- driver. Yeah. <laughs> for like the anniversary, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, you know it's. <laughs> Which no one has heard what the sounds are like yet, but they've they finally revealed what the, how the key gimmick works. <laughs> so you have different keys for each of like the Disney properties or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Sasaka Premium Bandai. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, and it's it's so easy just to kind of have that pop into anywhere. Um, I mean, God, <laughs> yeah, we could go on for hours about just like all like any any sort of reference and uh, all the little things. Um, what am, another really. Fun, uh, favorite thing was um, there's the manga Frankenfron. Yes, I love Frankenfron. So, so there's a whole thing in Frankenfron. <laughs> yep. 
where uh, there's a guy who gets like caught in an accident. And so like, it, like, or like, I think he like, he originally wanted revenge so that he mm-hmm. gets turned into a common writer. Yeah. <laughs> somebody else gets hurt and they want revenge against that guy. So she turns them into a common writer. Yep. <laughs> it just yep. gets banned. It's really funny too, because she, uh, uh, Frank and Fran is one of those series where it's kind of like a, like, be careful what you wish for sort of thing when yeah. it comes to the story. And the the main character is kind of like a Black Jack sort of uh, character that can do, like, basically miracle medical science. And so, like, people come to her and they're like, I want this amazing, like, larger-than-life wish that would never really be possible. And she always figures out a way to do it, but it's always, like, in the most horrendous, horrific way possible. So the Kamen Rider one is funny because, like, she literally... The artist literally was like, what if, like, a Kamen Rider type was actually real? Like, you could do that. They would be horrifying. They would be, yeah, they would be terrible, like, terrible people so fast. (laughs) So she's like, so it just becomes this arms race, and it's so funny. It is very funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, and I really do enjoy that. Like, if 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 you like Blackjack and Common Rider, you should totally read Frankenbrand. It's pretty, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, but don't eat anything when you read it. Just <laughs> No, don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> trigger warning, body horror and gore and all sorts of craziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I'm into that shit, which is why I loved this Common Rider manga so much. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that will do it. God, and uh, it's so funny because, like, the body horror aspects didn't really make it into the TV show until, like, decades later. Yes. Uh, that was one thing that I was, like, a little kind of disappointed of when I started watching the show recently, that it wasn't more, like, leaning into some of the more body horror aspects. But um, I do appreciate that in some common Writer stories, it is there, which yeah. I appreciate. Um, oh, yeah. But speaking of, you know, different common writer stories, uh, if you are listening to this and you're wondering, well, how can I get into common writer? How does that happen? Well, we how are. How do I do that? Well, we are insanely lucky that currently both the original manga and the original TV series are very accessible in North America. Uh, Seven Seas, like I said earlier, they publish the original manga in one giant book. So you only have one book to buy, which is very convenient. It's the size of a brick, and there's still, like, a debate over which book you could potentially murder someone with, other than that or War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually- all, of, all of those classic uh, Seven Seas manga, they're they're so big. I but love this them. one is, like, the biggest. It, <laughs> is, it is quite large. Yeah. But, yeah, for one low price, you can get your one large book of Kamen Rider for one mm-hmm. low, low price. Uh, and Shout Factory has the entire original TV series online to watch subtitled free with ads uh, mm. on Shout TV as part of their Toku Shoutsu label. Um, you can also watch it on demand for free with ads on Pluto TV. Uh, they have an app and a website. Uh, thanks to their partnership with Shout, they have like most of the Toku Shoutsu stuff on there. Yeah, it's um, yeah, so, and the, like this. This is where I go to my whole spiel because I technically work for them still. So, kids, uh, no, um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> but yeah. So um, you can go on there. Also on Tubi um, is you can go go watch stuff yeah. on Tubi. Also free with ads. Um, it, it's unfortunately limited to the United States and Canada. Or you can go to Toei Tokusatsu World uh, on YouTube. 
and you can watch the first two episodes of pretty much every common writer show up to um yeah i think up to saber um or no they had up to revise so you can check you can watch those mm-hmm. uh free with english subtitles the the quality is kind of eh. but um but it's free <laughs> it's it's free you know it's it's free and then you can watch a couple of the old common writer movies on there as well um so both of the common Rider black movies that i was talking about earlier you can watch those um I, I recommend watching the first one, uh, Hurry to Onigashima, um, which is uh, what I consider the best eight minutes in Kamen Rider history. And it's what sold me on the franchise immediately. Because <laughs> it's within those eight minutes, you have the theme song, which is a banger. You have the kids being kidnapped. Um, and then you have Kamen Rider fighting like a chameleon monster and then ramming a person head on with a motorcycle. Um, which, so it, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are available. And then also a lot of the newer shows as well, uh, are available. Uh, Commander Kuga, which is the start of the Heisei era of Kamen Rider. So that's everything from like 2000 to like uh, 2019. Um, so that is available. Also Kamen Rider Yuki, also available on Blu-ray and for streaming. And Kamen Rider Zero One, the start of the current Reiwa period, is available uh, on Blu-ray and as well as streaming. And uh, you can actually watch a lot of that stuff on rotation on Twitch as well. Uh, and like yeah. 24 seven. Um, but again, also, uh, but it's us and Canada only. So I, I know we're going to get some angry comments from people in Europe and I'm like, I'm sorry guys. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do wish that a lot of this was more like worldwide availability, but unfortunately uh, that's not how rights contracts works. Uh, no. and, it, and it sucks. <laughs> I wish there was a master licensor, but unfortunately they don't have one for this because I don't know why. Probably money. Money. It it all comes down to capitalism, the real evil organization. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a monster in Condor Man, which is basically like a giant like yen coin. So (laughs) there you go. The real evil was capitalism. Is that all along? <laughs> um, I've also had people ask, uh, is is Shin Kamen Rider a good way to see if you would like the series? Mm. Um, uh, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, like, like... There's... there's uh, Okay, so I went and saw Shin Kamen Rider as someone who is a very casual Kamen Rider fan and had not yet read the manga, had not really seen a lot of the TV show, the original, since it's based off of the original. Um, But I knew, like, the basics of Kamen Rider. And I went into it and was like, okay, this fucking slaps. I love this. Yeah. Uh, But also, like, I'm also kind of a fan of Hideaki Anno's work in general. And I know not everybody is. So, like, if you have seen, like, his other, like, live-action stuff and you weren't really a fan... I don't know. You might not like it. Um, yeah, it's uh, the thing with Shin Kamen Rider is it pays so much. Li- as I was saying, like it pays so much lip service to the uh, manga and the original show, uh, right down to the editing, um, because like there's a, there's this kind of like um, French New Wave type quick cutting that's in like the first couple episodes where they stop it like almost immediately. Uh, yeah. Anno continues that throughout the entire movie. Yes. And it doesn't quite work. I, I have my issues with it. Um, I, I still think like the first act of the movie is like the best part. Um, but 
it's yeah it has a lot of honors eccentricities um on display so your mileage may vary but yes. uh, there have been a lot of people like you know like don was saying like who had not really been ca- who had really been more casual fans who like saw it on a whim and they they fell in love with it and it made them want to check out more stuff yeah so it's so it can work it's just you know, it, but it also may not be like, you, like the the packaging of it may not be for you. The yeah. framework may not be for you. But uh, the over like uh, it as like a solid intro to like the core themes and whatnot. I think it, I think it works. I, yes. I think I think it works. But I wouldn't recommend it as like your first outing. Yeah, I would say it works a little better if you at least know some things about Kamen Rider. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, ultimately, I do think it is a really fun movie where you can be like, okay, yeah, Anno gets what makes Common Rider so good. Uh, because he basically highlights all the, it's like the greatest hits of <laughs> classic Kamen It does kind of feel like that, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, and then, like, there are lines of dialogue and, and scenes pulled right from the manga, too. Yeah, and straight from the show. So it's kind of like a best of both worlds of the manga and the show. Because when I was reading the manga, I was like, oh, okay, I can see more where Anno got this. Yeah. Uh, Because the movie is a lot more violent than the TV show. Like, Anno was... It's to the manga, for sure. I mean... Yes. Yeah, Anno was like, hey, you know what the TV show is missing? Buckets of blood. (laughs) (laughs) All the decapitations. All of them. <laughs> yes. And I was like, you know what, Anna? You're right. <laughs> you were right. Bless like, you. Like you. It's that thing where like you raise your finger to say something. You're like, no, this is okay. <laughs> no, no, I approve of this. <laughs> it's like, no, no, he got it. It's fine. It's a it's, it's a fair cop. <laughs> no, let him cook. <laughs> yeah, let him cook. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I personally really enjoyed it. Uh, even though like, like I said, I I would be considered more of a casual fan because I haven't seen everything. But like, it really did get me excited to dig into more common writer stuff because I was like, yeah, I can see why Anno loves a common writer because it's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this 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 whole movie just was like two hours of kick ass. Like, <laughs> like I love this. And I loved how he highlighted how the, 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 the first two common writers are so different, but they're still very cool in their own unique ways. Oh yeah. And he did a really good job. I feel like reimagining like the, the, the baddies, like the, the makeup on the Batman yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> oh, they did such a good job on that. Yeah, like, like the the it, it straddles the line between like how you feel like they wanted to make the show look a long time ago but couldn't. Like they didn't have the, yeah. the make the makeup effects to to do it justice. Right. Um, it was really cool. Like I I really loved the how how funky like the spider-man was like yeah he looks borderline ridiculous but in a cool way <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> which is which is like how, that's it that's common writer <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what i would say i was like that's how common writer is it's always borderline absolutely ridiculous but in the coolest way possible yeah and that's why i really did start like taking to it i mean to be fair though like 
the first real common writer show that I got into because everyone told me that I would love it and they were right. Bless them was for That was a show that got a lot of people involved. And cause like uh, there, cause there are people who hated that show because like, it's like, uh, they thought it was too toyetic or they thought it was too happy go lucky, but like people fail to understand, like that was a turning point for online fandom. Cause it was along the lines of, okay, so you have a show that is a fusion of American and Japanese high school tropes. Uh, but then you also have it from the writer of Garen Lagan, which at the yes. time was still fresh in everyone's memory and could do mm-hmm. no wrong. And you pair that with Koichi Sakamoto, who was a, um, a popular director who'd worked on Power Rangers for a number of years. Uh, and then went back to Japan, did um, Ultra Galaxy Legends, the movie. And then th- then Toei was like, oh, crap, we need to get you to work for us. And he did the first Kamen Rider double movie. And then he's become known for like working across both franchises, basically. But yeah, it's uh, like so you had him. They basically were like, let's just give him a full show. And the end result was probably one of the most wholesome and fun show, like uh, seasons of the franchise. And yeah, which is so funny because like now I'm watching the original. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking like body horror and violence and shit. Let's go. Uh, which is totally not prevalent in Forza at all. But yeah, it is, it is very anime and oh, has, absolutely, and has the whole like it has a lot of concepts that I really enjoy. And it is one of the common writers where I will say that, like, how we were talking about, like, each, what did you say? Ultraman was. Yeah, Ultraman was, like, hope, basically. Hope. Hope. Common writer was justice. And Sentai was friendship. This is the one common writer I will say that this, for say, that season is friendship. <laughs> yeah. It's when you get to the Heisei era that, like, that definition kind of flips. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's you have to kind of like, I have to like redefine it in a way. Cause it's, cause the theme kind of changes a little bit. Like it's, there's still a little bit of that, the justice and the sacrifice and like the lone war, but then it's like, it's more toyetic. So like mm-hmm. a lot of that so- solitude is now kind of out the wayside really, like or to the wayside. Cause everyone's yeah. got like this, like full support team now every season. So. It's true. <laughs> uh, it's also, it, it, it isn't just limited to common writer. I will say that like, even like, things that were inspired by Kamen Rider, like, say, Magical Girls. Like, all of these things are very, like, toy-focused a lot now. Oh, and now it is. Yeah, absolutely. Which wasn't always the case, like, back in the the case of the original stuff. But that is just, again, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the key to fun, Bandai. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Which has, like, a near monopoly on, on all media franchises. <laughs> we, we, we could do a whole separate episode on how, like, regardless of how these are basically now their shows that are made to sell toys, uh, how regardless of that creative people make really, really good media around the conceit of, we also have to sell toys. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, that is definitely like a, a show of true talent. Like if you're able to work within those confines and make that work yeah. and still make something memorable. And yeah. that's, it's something that, you know, like a lot of people don't really appreciate the way they ought to. Yeah. I think in recent years, people are finally coming around to that considering like how big things in America were of like, say uh, like my little pony friendship is magic oh absolutely and and more recently the barbie movie yeah uh, how like 
creative people had to be to be like, okay, I really want to tell this story, but I also have to appease these people who want me to sell toys. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes you find these people who are creative enough to do that. And you're just like, wow, for a, a kid's show that was supposed to sell me toys, this is making me feel things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Like, that's a feat in and of itself. Oh, so, yeah. Um, kudos to all of the people who managed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, like new Doctor Who in a way, kind of like the exact same thing. And I I, I think they, they even walk a, a, a greater balancing act on that particular show. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, you have to make it, like, appeal to the family, basically. And make oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and have oh, something on every level for everybody, mm-hmm. which is, that's not easy either. But, yeah, it, in a nutshell. Common Rider has been around for wow 50 years now mm-hmm. and it's amazing that now we are finally getting to the point where new fans can actually access it and become fans way more easily and finally see that like hey this dude uh Ishinomori man he sure influenced a whole bunch of shit <laughs> <laughs> And that influence is still being felt 50 years later, which is, like, kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time there's just, like, a new hero show on some way, it's like, you know, okay, that's common, right? Or, like, you can't help but have it be derivative. I mean, even in, like, China... There, there are like they're doing hero shows and stuff like that, and like even that's derivative of Common Rider. Oh yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Every, everything, um, um, which you know, or like one of my favorite films ever, the Super Inframan. Oh my gosh, which <laughs> the best, one of the best Shaw Brother movies ever, um, was like just lifted right from that time period, mm-hmm. and was like an attempt to kind of cash in on that. But um, yeah, and I think that's really. I think that that's the testament of like doing something that really just hits the core of, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just for that to persevere. I mean, I think that's, you know, something that can stand the test of time. I think that that's wonderful. And I, um, you know, uh, and I, I'm, I'm so like grateful that that like, you know, that's always gonna be there, but also the fact that that's available now. Like, I mean, if you, if you told younger me, years you know years ago that hey you're hey guess what uh not only you're gonna make a living cutting promos for this stuff but it's gonna you're helping it make it be available for you know kids like you you know like his head would explode and then we'd oh have, i know right yeah it would be like it would be like you know full scanners but with like confetti <laughs> <laughs> you know a red uh, scarf just pops out of your head Poof. yeah yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, or not even that. It's just like you just it, like the scarf just appears, and then like you hear the sound effect, like the na 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 na. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, he he would have lost his little mind, because um, uh, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it's been so great to to kind of be part of that full circle, and it's so great to to see that kind of come around and see how the fandoms kind of been growing. It's been it's been wonderful these past few years, and I'm glad that this stuff is now available. Same, um, yeah, because. For the longest time, I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind getting more into this stuff, but it's so hard. And now it's actually quite easy. And you I'm like, sneeze yeah. now and find yeah. out. So, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's great. We live in a in a good period. This is yeah. this is good. I hope it continues. Yeah, to uh, <laughs> to to just keep getting better. I hope like. Uh, I know that uh, Common Rider in Japan just recently got like a 4K release. 
Yep, the original series got a new 4K remaster. And I was like, damn, wouldn't that be cool if maybe we got a a release of that kind here, maybe? (laughs) Working on it, I'm trying. (laughs) Because, like, Uh, that that would be cool. (laughs) It it would be lovely if if that came out. Believe me, you're not the only one who wants that. Uh, I'm I'm sure. (laughs) But it's, yeah, you know, there's always, you know, there's one thing or another. There's always red tape and everything. So Mm -hmm. who knows? Who knows? Fingers crossed. Maybe someday. It would Maybe be wonderful. Someday. So we got a lot of really good questions. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> we, we've already been talking for a while, so I'll try to get to as many of these as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of going off of what we were just talking about, uh, Rory Dropkick says, yeah, right. I wanted to ask y'all, it is 2023. Did either one of you think that Tokusatsu would be where it was and where it is now in the U.S., we still have a long ways to go, but look at the process it's made. I have a feeling that this question will probably be asked during the show, but I wanted to ask you just in case. That being said, thank you both for all of the hard work you do to promote anime and tokusatsu. I really appreciate it. As part of the older generation myself, born in 1979, it's really great to see younger sets of people get into the shows I was back into in the 80s and 90s. Aww. 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 But but yeah, we were just talking about how like I would have never guessed like as a kid like I could just push a button and Common Rider would just play <laughs> for me. It's so fun. So like when I was younger, um, you know, getting into anime, I got mocked a lot for it. Um, like I'd bring in the issues of B Club and for silent reading when I didn't know a lick of Japanese. <laughs> And, and oh, man, kid, me with new type magazine. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would, and, yeah. Unfortunately, I'd get my stuff stolen every once in a while or whatever, or vandalized, and um, and it's so funny because like I'm they're like giving me crap about like liking Gundam and everything, but then 1997 rolls around, <laughs> <laughs> and then Gundam Wing pops up, and everyone's like, "Gold Man Wing Zero is the shit," and I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> Or like, like dra- I could have told you that. <laughs> or they're getting into Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, t- I turned into the the person that all of my friends came to, and like, so, so, what the fuck happens at the end of Sailor Moon? <laughs> they canceled it. What the fuck is gonna happen? <laughs> I think I might have done that at least once or twice to people, but um, my my favorite story ever was. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've told the story on stream before. I, I once got slapped in the face for spoiling the ending of uh, Gundam Wing and the Waltz, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> because I had seen it already. Um, yeah, it. I would not have ever thought it would ever take off. Uh, I mean, God, what, I mean, even when I was getting into super robots, you know, like Mazinger Z and Getter and all that stuff like that. Like, the, the people who I knew at the time all, all balked at it. They thought it was, like, the uncoolest thing ever because Evangelion and Gundam were out. But then years later, those same people are buying, like, Soul Chagokin figures and stuff like that. And my best friend, who was in the bunch, now owns more than me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he has, like, uh, you know, he has, like, what was it, like, two or three separate Rydeen figures, and I have, like, none Wow. <laughs> I, I just want to. I just want to ride in toy. Damn it! Gotta catch up now. <laughs> I'm working on it. You're like, man. I liked riding before. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, man. That original Soul Chikokin Mazinger Z. That that's my white whale. I've always wanted it. I've never got. Uh, it. So someday, someday. But yeah, someday. moving on. 
<laughs> so Michael has several questions. I saw uh, that. And these are all like pretty good ones. Uh, so the first one, uh, which common writer do you prefer, Hongo or Ichimonji? I think Ichimonji is more fun, but I prefer Hongo because of his brooding, darker nature. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I like them both for different reasons. I kind of like Ichimonji because he he's a cocky son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is really hard because I haven't seen all of uh, the TV series yet. So I couldn't really say TV series wise. But in the manga, I think I prefer Hongo a little bit more just because he's just a really, like, kind of depressed hero. And, <laughs> that's just, that's, and, that makes him hashtag relatable. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, look at this sad man who wants to fight crime. Oh, my God. Just, oh. So sad. Uh, just want to give him a little pet and be like, you poor sad boy. <laughs> well, there, I mean, there is that episode where he does pick up puppies. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's that. But um, yeah, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to say Ichimonji. I, I, um, and I, because I mean, as much as I love Hongo, I think Ichimonji definitely had a bit more like style to him, mm. and he he had a bit more character because like Hongo was very stoic and brooding. Yes. But, but like Ichimonji, like it's like he was like your cool older brother. Yeah. I, I I would say it is really hard to pick because they're like you said, they're both cool for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but like maybe I just like Hongo a little bit more in the manga because he was the first one and he was kind of like the more like horrific brooding one. <laughs> yeah, I do like Hongo in the manga a lot more, admittedly. Um it, maybe maybe once I finish watching the TV show, I can give like a more of an opinion on like mm -hmm. that version. Um, if we're going Shin Kamen Rider, I will say I do kind of like Ichimonji a little bit more in Shin Kamen Rider because of like yeah. uh, like what you said, like he's a little bit more cocky, he's a little more fun. Um, I also like you know not spoil Shin Kamen Rider, but the end where like. Stuff he's happens, like, yeah. Where, where stuff happens, and he's like, "Now we're never, we'll never be alone, Hongo." And I'm like, yeah. "No, you won't." Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that was really cool, and I really liked that. Yeah, and that's that's word for word and almost shot for shot from the manga. Like I got so yep. excited when I saw that. I was yeah. so bummed that he did not play the stupid like common writer theme at that point. That would have been the appropriate moment. I know. I've I was like, why didn't they? They like, they waited till the very end of the credits instead. And I was like, it's like Ano, oh, I get it. You want to show that you're grown up, but you don't have to just just do the thing. Yeah, do just thing. do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I like Hongo in the in Shin is is he's an alright character. But yeah, Ichimonji is just like I just love how he's like. So that's you in full spec. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're both really good characters though. It's it's yeah. kind of it, it's it's like don't don't make me pick which of my children I love. Yeah. I <laughs> they're all me. great. <laughs> they're all wonderful. Although maybe Ichimonji's a little better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so the second question, do you think Ruriko works better as a love interest for Hongo or just as an ally? How did you feel about her characterization in Shin Kamen Rider compared to the TV series and manga? Well, um I kind of liked her better in the TV show. 
because like the, the in Shin Kamen Rider, it's like it felt like she didn't really have much of a character until like the very end. Mm-hmm. And it, it and it really was just like that was more just like an archetype that Ano likes to use. Like <gasps> right, like like she was Sundari Ray basically. Yes, she was like a mix of Ray and Oscar kind of. <laughs> Yeah, well, because because Ano always has to have at least one Sundari character in everything he does, or else like he explodes, basically. Yes. Um, so yeah, like she was totally like Sundari mixed with Ray and mixed with uh, like it and Oscar and just yeah, so just this unholy fusion. But I like Ray and then the what was it? Reiko in the manga really doesn't have a whole lot. Like she starts out with the arc from the TV show, but then once that fades, it she's just romantic foil. And yeah. that's really her defining characteristic. And then she just vanishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I In the, the TV series, it's like she eventually comes around, but then ends up becoming like a capable assistant and become like a capable partner in crime. And I really do like that. Um, when the accident happens behind the scenes, there's a couple episodes where they have to kind of like scramble and, and figure out how to fill time. Because they because they ran out of footage of Hiroshi Fujioka, so there's like literally episodes where Common Rider is just as Common Rider the whole time. Uh, it's literally up to Taki and and Ruriko and everyone else kind of like coming to the forefront. And so you get these really cool episodes where Ruriko is actually doing a whole lot, and I, I do like her in that in that uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wish she had gotten a bit more love in the TV show. I wish they had given her like more of a proper exit, uh, other than just oh hey Ruriko's now with with Hongo, and then we'll never see her again. <laughs> And they lived happily ever after. Bye. <laughs> Basically. Oh yeah. Like um, there's a manga called Comrade Spirits, which kind of uh, fl- it's like an adaptation of a later uh, one shot special that uh, kind of expands the, the canon and goes all over the place. And the Ruriko comes back in that. Oh. So and um and like she's very capable and pretty badass in that in her own right. So um but yeah, I think I like her more in the TV series than I do in any other capacity. Mm-hmm. I will say I did like that Anna was at least trying to make her more of a character in Shin Kamen Rider. Mm. Like she's not just a love interest or yeah. or just like a girl that's there to be saved. Uh, she yeah. she has a lot more agency and she has a lot more to do with the plot, right. which I thought was very cool how he like fit her in there. Um, I will say that, like, I do agree that she does kind of come off as just like an Anno character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, you know. yeah, like Pongo and and her are just the, the Anno like types basically mm-hmm. um and i just I mean, and the only thing it does kind of irk me about about shin it's like all the women kind of get the short end of the stick in yeah. that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. which sucks but um i will say i do appreciate that he did sort of give us like a slight like kind of uh yuri flavor with uh ruriko and uh wasp <laughs> yeah with hashi yeah <laughs> i was like hmm I like that. <laughs> please, please, yeah, like please keep it. Go- yeah, I've I, I've got feelings. We're gonna leave that there. It's a whole other soapbox. <laughs> it's a whole other soapbox. We gotta wind this down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but overall, like considering that this is a thing from the '70s, like obviously the the female characters aren't always going to be like 
uh, really fleshed out all the time or that well portrayed. Uh, I would say that out of all of the the older media, the the TV series does do her a little better, mm. which is good. Yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it was the seventies. What can you do? Like yeah. Mm. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, who is your favorite shocker goon in the TV series and manga? In the manga, my faves were Man Spider, Crab Man, and Big Machine. Big Machine. <laughs> yeah, Big Machine was cool. <laughs> oh, the I, I love Big Machine show. Like Big Machine shows up only once in live action, and only in name, uh, and that's in the movie *Common Writer Wars*. And the less said about that one, the better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Big Machine is like uh, in the uh, the manga. He takes the place of the shocker leader. Basically, he's like a a walking supercomputer, and he's so ominous. Yeah, he's. he's- He's he looks like um oh god what are they called the big things from um uh, Earthbound yeah they, oh yeah definitely I can I can totally uh, the Starman well, yeah the, yeah the Starman yeah which I now thinking about that it makes me wonder if that is also a reference to Conan Rider oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah they're they're very ominous and like very uh, he's very ominous and and like foreign looking and. Very yeah. alien, uh, very, very like uh, 70s sci fi like idea of like what a walking man computer would probably look like. Oh, uh, yeah. But that makes him look cool. <laughs> yeah, and he's only in for like maybe like one chapter, but he's just so damn wonderful. Yeah. And I, I really just love him as a guy. And just, just the name, Big Machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, so, that's just a cool name. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's like Crystal Bowie. It's so ridiculous, but it's still <laughs> so badass. And Shin Kamen Rider was building up to him. Was yeah. was, was totally building because like the the supercomputer eye, like it is it was totally building up to be big machine. And uh, uh, if we get a sequel, I hope they, they really do something with that. Holy hell. Me um, too. That would yeah. be cool because they, they also kind of like hinted at other things that, you know, now that I've read the manga, I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. So well, this yeah. is that. Mm. Yeah. Otto had said that, well, at a press conference that he was already planning the sequel and he was going to develop the uh, massacre world uh, chapter. So, so hopefully we get Big Machine. Hopefully we get Big Machine. Knock on wood. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) I did like Mothman just because (laughs) as as a Mothman uh, cryptid fan, I was like, ah, it's a Mothman. (laughs) Yeah. The, um, like, what was it? If If I had to pick from the manga apart from Big Machine, it will probably be... Um, Medusa. <laughs> oh, Medusa. Her her story with like the Snake Man was uh was it Snake Man? Yeah, uh, Cobra. Yeah. Oh, Cobra. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, that was kind of sad, actually. Yeah, which is like the dumbest ending. <laughs> it was pretty dumb, but also kind of sad. I was like, yeah, Aw. it's it's really sad. It's like she she could have bounced back from that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> she's like oh no i'm too sad i'm like well, i mean i get it but also like chill girl <laughs> but you know it's way more dramatic 
yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, way more drive than what we're putting it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so let's see. What was the other question? Oh, where does the common writer manga rank for you in comparison to Ishinomori's other manga? I think I enjoy the story characters in Cyborg 009 more, but I enjoyed Ishin- Ishinomori's art in common writer manga the most. Oh. Uh, I would say, I mean, I haven't read all of uh, Cyborg 009. But from what I read, uh, I did enjoy it. But I think my enjoyment of Common Rider was just uh, way more. Mm, I would put it at number two. Um, I'd probably like it would at least it would be in my top three because it's like um, what was it? Kikaider is definitely top mm. for me. Like that's the peak for me for Ishinomori. Um, uh, see, I haven't read Kikaider yet. Read it; it's so good. It's so damn good. I, I would love it if Seven Seas put it like I put it out. Oh, but that would be cool. It would be it would be great. But uh, yeah, like um, definitely would rank that a little higher because uh, I just I love the storyline with that. Uh, I'd have to reread Inazuman because like, Inazuman also has kind of an abrupt ending, but it's also really good. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely in my top three, but it's not like number one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would say it's number one for me, but take it with a grain of salt because I haven't read everything mm. of his. So, but I really, really, really like it. Uh, it's, it's very good. It's very good. Yes. Uh, let's see. Lost Media Detective asks, can you squash the whole Ishinomori hates Saban's mask writer thing? Um, okay, so this is a long-held rumor that Shitaro Ishinomori hated the adaptation of, of Saban's mask writer. Now... There hasn't been anything conclusive to say that. Like, that's one of those things that's just sort of, uh, I think, just permeated. Like, um, like the whole, like, uh, ga- like oh, hey, we, we ripped off of uh, uh, ripped off of Space Chef Gavel to make Robocop, which got debunked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, like, I think it's just one of those things that just persisted. So I it's just like it just became like a, a a meme, like the cool thing to say. So I I really I don't think like I have not found any evidence to the contrary, you know, like any evidence to say that he did think that way. If if there is, I'd love to see it. But um, yeah, no, I mean I I really don't think that that was a real thing. Yeah, yeah, it, I could see why people would believe that because it is easily believable. But unless I see something that like hard you know, proof that he specifically yeah. said that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I call shenanigans. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. The highest level of shenanigans. I mean, the only reason we know that uh, Akira Toriyama did not like Dragon Ball Evolution is because he said so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of Big Machine, Bio Esper asks, do you think that Big Machine comes off as more intimidating than Great Leader? And do you wish Big Machine could have been in the tokusatsu? Uh, they just really... Yes. Yes, they, they really love Big Machine. <laughs> yeah, Big Machine's my favorite. Yeah, um, I really do think he's, he has more of a presence than what we ultimately got for the final uh, form of the Great Leader of Shocker. I think, I think he could have been a lot more interesting. I think he could have put up more of a fight. Want want. Yeah, so not <laughs> not, ex- not exciting, but not yeah. as exciting as Big Machine. Not as exciting as Big Machine. <laughs> also, it doesn't have as cool of a name. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is a big machine respect zone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is what we're saying. Yeah. We we get you, Bio Esper. We're we, we, we're we right you. there. We're right there with you. We're right there in the front row doing what's okay. We are um, doing the, the holding hands, shaking hands meme. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're just doing once again to like the shocker like theme. It's like I don't know why I'm doing the motions when no one can see me. <laughs> we, we feel it in our hearts. We yeah. know that we know that you are doing them. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh we'll do a couple more. Let's see. Oh, Ducknuts asks, which anime character would you most like to see Gentaro Kisarage, aka Common Rider Forze, befriend? Uh, that's a good question. Who needs a friend? Who needs a friend? Um, I would have him be friends with Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star. Oh my god! That would be I, amazing. <laughs> I would totally have him try to be friends with him and, and make him smile. And it would be one of those things where he would be hard pressed, but then they like save the day together. And and like he goes back and then maybe Henshiro smiles there at the very end. Aww. Um, you know, um, I would love to see. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Crossover with Urusei Yatsura. <laughs> oh my god that have, would be have, so cute have him be friends with Lum and then Ataru is just like a jealous idiot the whole time the Comrade Club just beats the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> as he deserves always yeah. <laughs> so so absolutely absolutely someone someone do this fan art immediately of, of Gentaro like flying in space and, and doing the handshake with Lum. Please, please yes. do it. Yes. Oh my god, that would be so cute. It would be so damn cute. <laughs> <laughs> they both do the Uchu Kita. Oh yeah. Oh, that um, would be so cute. Oh my gosh. Someone do it, please. Oh my god. Please, I would love you forever. <laughs> okay, so your friend and mine, Choo Choo. Yes. Asks a very important question. What is your common rider BL ship? Please explain to me your rider die. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> you fucking hamster. <laughs> you fucking horseball the hamster. Now listen, we didn't even go into uh, what's it called, the Odagari effect? Oh yeah, the Odagari effect. Yeah, the where they cast a, a young, attractive actor to get the young mothers to tune in. Um, Which oh my. stemmed from Common Writer, and that is a thing that is now very well utilized in almost all Japanese media. <laughs> works. I mean, it, it works. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> that's why superhero time is a hit on Sundays. Um, uh huh. <laughs> but um, okay, let's see. So, okay, so my ship, it's going to be, let's see, it would probably have to be, I mean, easy mode is anyone in Ryuki, because that show is designed for that. Every, everybody is incredibly gay in that show. <laughs> um, it's going to be Hongo and Taki. Oh, okay. I'll go and talkie because there's even episodes where like, um, which feels this, uh, cause uh, there's parts where it's like, they're on the edge of a cliff and Hongo's like, talkie, hold on to my body. And cause, <laughs> and they jump off the cliff because Hongo can take it and he can't. <gasps> right. Because he's a cyborg and stuff. Exactly. Oh. Mm-hmm. There, there's at least two separate episodes where he does this. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I, I can I'm imagining the vintage uh, doujinshi now. Oh, oh no, it totally exists. It absolutely yes. it's it, it, it exists out there somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, it, it would totally be. I think it's if I had to have one from like the original series, it would be Hongo and Taki. Um, and then, um, 
barring that, and then, uh, what if I had like a Yuri pairing? It would probably be um, Ruriko Hachi. Ruriko Hachi. Ruriko Hachi. Ruriko Hachi. That would be, well. That would be Shin. But like, I'm thinking if it was classic. Oh well, that's easy. Uh, fuck it. The okay. So um, when Hongo has his accident. Mm-hmm. He goes to Europe. He comes back with two new assistants who end up joining the cast. That would be my Yuri pairing, would be the two of them. Oh, okay. Whose, whose names completely escaped me at the time. Um, since I have not seen very much common writer, um, I will say that uh when I was watching Forza, uh I was definitely like, okay. But, like, fucking Ryusei and his little friend, was it Jiro? Yeah. Like, that. they love each other, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's literally like, I'm going to become a common writer to save my dying friend. Yeah. Because I love him so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then they gave him a case of the not case. <laughs> yes, yes. But I was like, but, 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 they, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Mika and Emmy—that's who I'm talking about. Uh, I, had, I had to look them up real quick, but uh, yeah, th- those are mine. Uh, and they—they show up in episode forty, and they have one of the best fight scenes of the entire series. Nice. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's really the only thing that has really hit the BL part of my brain uh, currently. But after I finish watching uh, more, I don't know. I'm sure. Well, there, yeah, there will be more <laughs> when you when you get into like later shows. Yeah, you you will you will see the gay the gay is yeah. everywhere. Like like oh, like it, oh, I've seen Choo Choo's uh, uh, slideshows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, we, we have to be careful because you know any minute now Choo Choo's gonna break the wall down. It's like, all right, guys, I'm gonna tell you all about the the the, the Conrader PL pipeline. <laughs> Which like for for any of any of you BL fans out there, it is real. It is and, very real. Uh, and it is very also. prominent. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, because, like, yeah, the, the, the short summation of this is basically, um, at any given point, uh, you've had uh, a lot of, well, gay subtext in, in recent Heisei Common Rider, but it's when you get to the newer shows that there's a crossover in terms of a lot of this, those actors for those more recent shows showing up in a lot of BL prominent uh, TV dramas and films. Um my favorite one is uh, the one where it's um, the lead from Comrade Build, and he is realizing that he is a background character in a BL manga, basically. <laughs> and he does his best to make sure that that that, that he doesn't fall for anybody. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute! And it's really funny because all the tropes are everywhere. <laughs> it's, but um, yeah, it's like there, there's stuff like that. All right. Um, oh, I also I forgot that Ducknuts also asked a second question. Uh, mm. What's up with Crayon Shin Chan having so many common writer crossovers? Do you have any clue why? Oh, that's just the the time slot, or <gasps> it's because it's, it's like because um, like Crayon Shin Chan is like you know Sunday mornings, and so um, whenever they're promoting like a movie or something, it's like well because I mean it really kind of kicked in with like Forze, mm-hmm. um, and so you had. Um, Forze and Shinchan doing like a team up basically because like Forze was an anniversary season two but mm-hmm. uh, they had a couple other ones and the big thing is just that you know like they're both on the same network 
And it's like a big promotional thing for both of them. So like when Shin Kamen Rider was coming out, they had an episode where the guys from Shin Kamen Rider showed up. Uh, or they did like, and then like when like for Kamen Rider Deno, they did a, a Crayon Shinchan thing there as well. So okay. it's yeah, so it's it's more of a network cross promotion thing because like Shinchan is one of their big properties, and you mm-hmm. know it works both ways. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I was like, it has to be something like that, right? <laughs> it it makes it makes way more sense that way. Yeah, it's it's a very boring explanation. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a time where they got like the creator Shin Chan saved the life of the current producer of Common Writer in a fist fight, <laughs> and they were like, "Man, what can I do to repay you? Let's celebrate our friendship by having Shin Chan show up with Common Writer." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be way more interesting. But no, the the most boring uh, answer is usually the correct one. Yeah, and that's really it. It is. It's just they're on the same network, and it just works out. It's a cross promotion deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, and we'll do one more. We'll do a funny one. So, Bolt Creature asks, "Does anyone in the manga at least get it worse than Batman gets it?" Uh, that's you know, I mean, crab dude gets his arms ripped off, and like, dude just has to kind of like swim away for victory. No, no, I got it, I got it. You ready? You ready? Mm. The whale, <laughs> the whale, the whale gets it worse than anyone in the entire manga. It's true. Oh, that poor whale, <laughs> because the whale doesn't just die because of the explosion, common writer has to break his way out of it. Yeah, <laughs> which, like. Fucking gross, dude. <laughs> you know that beach is gonna smell real bad. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely it, the whale gets it worse than Batman. <laughs> this is true, and that whale didn't even really deserve it. All right, no, for for all we know, the whale was the true mastermind of the whole ocean plan. <gasps> well, I guess you're right. We don't know. Yeah, there, there's nothing to say he wasn't. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> I mean, for, I mean, for all we know, the whale could have been like the hanger. Oh, true. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like dramatic chipmunk, but it's dramatic yeah. whale. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> my Mima, my conservationist friends are really listening to this being like, Mike, what the hell? <laughs> hey, listen, there were evil sharks, okay? <laughs> It could happen. Those oh sharks gosh. were evil. They were they were bad sharks. I don't think that's gonna hold up in court, Don. <laughs> oh, well, oh, I we have jabbered on for over two hours on just mm. <laughs> common writer nonsense and why it is such a huge deal that maybe, you know, if you are interested in filling in more of your Japanese pop culture knowledge, why Common Rider is so important, and why you keep seeing references to it in literally everything. <laughs> mm. uh, so hopefully this gives you just like a little primer on like why this creation was so important and why I think Ishinomori deserves way more credit for being such a big deal than he does. I think really the only reason he hasn't really gotten his flowers in America yet is because we have so many people who are like basically doing free promotion for Osamu Tezuka and how great he was with, with you know, uh, with reason, you know, with reason. Like obviously Tezuka was amazing, but also 
consider Ishino more. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, a lot of that stuff just isn't out there and isn't as well known. So who knows? Maybe, maybe like it's again seven seven. I'm going to write a letter, dear dear seven C's. Please yes. put out a new do, volume of Cyborg Zero Zero Nine. Do do more of those um those seven C's. They like each month they have little surveys and they ask people like, what would you like to read? What should we license? Uh, tell them like, hey, some more Ishino Mori would be cool because yeah. You did Common Rider and you did uh, Go Ranger. Uh, yeah, that it would be cool to have uh, Cyborg Zero Zero Nine or uh, you know uh, Kikaider or other yeah. things that he did. He the man drew so much manga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, do it, do it, do it. You cowards, just do it. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, now that is a good suggestion. If like the next time there's a survey, please fill it out. Yeah, um, yeah. And, do. and, and, and don't just say common writer spirits because they can't license it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ultimately, the message here is like common writer has more influence on anime and manga than you think. And yeah. and if you're thinking it's just this like little kitty show to sell toys, buddy, I'm here to tell you that manga and that original show both whip ass. <laughs> <laughs> And if and if worse comes to worse, if you're like kind of on the fence about that, um, I have kind of like a method there where I just suggest go watch the movies, and you can watch the bulk of them on Toei Tokusatsu World now. So uh, you know, take your pick. Yeah, yeah, and you know, hopefully, from like all the stuff we we mentioned that is available, like if any of it seems interesting to you, like go on check it out. Like why not? Do it, Do it and be uh, a legend. So so much so much of it is like free with ads now that it's like you have nothing to lose, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's pretty great. Uh, and you know what else is great? The mm. people who left me tips this month on Kofi. They are all pretty great. <laughs> Including uh Henshin information on YouTube, which uh they left me a comment saying they have actually just dropped a new video recently that shows a lot of the crossovers of uh, other heroes like Kamen Rider who make cameo appearances in Power Ranger things. Uh, so check that out if you are interested. Uh, we also have to thank Rory Dropkick, Haxiro, Tim, Galaxy Egg Toast, and several other listeners who wish to remain anonymous. Thank you all so much for your very generous tips. I appreciate them. So, 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 so much. If you want to get a shout out in the next episode of the podcast to be just as cool as all of they are, uh, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as at animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. Ooh. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, and you can usually find it. Yee. And while you're there, you can always show my podcast a little love by leaving a rating or a review. I always love seeing what people have to say about my podcast. Or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me directly at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. It might take me a little while to get, to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. And my amazing theme song music was done by Carol Bit. 
You can find out more about them and their music at carobits.net. That's K-E-R-O-B-I-T dot net. Once again, thank you so much, Mr. Mock Dent. No problem. I, for I had coming a good time. on and talking about all things Common Rider with me uh, and sharing your vast wealth of knowledge in that big tokusatsu filled brain of yours uh yeah i mean i feel like i only tapped into five percent <laughs> like I, I was holding back my power level so. <laughs> hey uh you know the kids have to start somewhere because i'm sure exactly. there's a lot of people listening that have like never watched a common writer once in their whole life not even once mm. so i think we gave them just a little taste of like you know what they 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 might be missing if yeah. they if they want to ever check that out. But speaking of checking things out, where can we find you on the internet? Oh boy, here we go. So um, okay, so first of all, yeah, you can uh, check me out over at uh, mock underscore dent on Twitter. Um, I'm not calling it the other thing because uh, fuck Musk. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I'm also on uh, Twitch as an occasional VTuber at mock underscore dent. Uh, then I'm also um, the main mover and shaker over at Vintage Engine, which you can just find on U- on YouTube uh, just by looking it up or go bit.ly slash Vintage Henshin. Uh, and then also Vintage Henshin on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, apart from that, you can hear my voice in the English dub for Ultraman Z, which you can watch Ooh. right now over on YouTube at Ultraman Official or at UltramanConnection.com. So go check that out. A lot of really cool people worked on that. Yeah, we are we are very proud of all of your hard work. Thank you. Oh, and uh, for the love of everything, uh, you can watch all the promos and stuff that I've worked on at Shout over uh, um, on the official Tokusatsu YouTube page. So go check that out. Uh, watch more uh, classic Tokusatsu. Keep America strong. Uh, but <laughs> and they're also on the the official Twitch channel. Yes, they pop. Yeah, they're on rotation as well. Yeah, because every time I see one, I'm like, oh, points. I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're not in them, I'm just like, you made that. I know yeah. that. <laughs> I'll just give you a link to a playlist you can probably put up the for the show notes for this episode, really. Yeah, I can totally do that. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much once again, Mock. And thank you, all you wonderful listeners, for stopping by. At once again, this has been your host, Don. And I will see you next uh, next writer time. Oh, no. <laughs> I messed oh, that up. Wait, no. Wait, I, I, can, I can do the end of episode narration. So, like, um, we, you can do, like, the, the end of the episode, like, the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and so Don and Mark go off into the sunset, having somehow discussed Kamen Rider without talking each other's ears off. But what danger looks in the shadows? Will, will, sh- will Shocker emerge once again? Until then, fight on, Mike and Don. Fight on, Automated Soldier Podcast. Yay! Let's go!
That'd be like anime punch. Anime kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm stop recording. <laughs>